The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 77 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Yo, what's up everybody? Dan Tom here, host of the Protect Your Neck podcast, late as usual. You might see me from places like Action Network, where my analysis is up at for gambling, as well as, of course, MMAJunkie.com. Uh, but on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. Uh, I don't know if in a slightly different way or whatever, but hopefully you're listening to this before. I don't even know my own intro anymore. You guys notice that? I kind of like messed everything up um, since I changed up like the intro words and everything. It's just how the show goes, man. I'm just happy to be here. Happy you guys are here, though I don't deserve you. I definitely don't deserve the like button. But uh, we are going to be breaking down, of course, UFC Vegas 77, UFC on ESPN 49, UFC Fight Night Home versus Silva. Bueno Silva? We'll go Bueno Silva. That's what's on the uh, the old thumbnail there. Uh, thank you guys for joining in. We got my man Jimmy Kudo, of course, moderator with the mostest. Uh, of course, the other uh, mostest as well. Of course, my guy Ghost Phantom. Got to give him love. Uh, special apologies out to you guys. You guys are sitting here holding down the fort, holding down the castle. And uh, I will not forget you guys. Uh, aside from the shouts and my appreciations, um, I will be uh, probably reaching out to you guys uh, definitely before years end. But definitely want to do something nice for, um, you know, you guys in general. But uh, especially those stepping up and helping this program behind the scenes. My guy Mark Fellows in the house. He just, I mean, you know, as long as he's doing the cheers vicariously. You can live vicariously through his cheers and beers. I think you're doing pretty well. My guy Mark Fellows in the house. DT, what's up my African brother? Technically we have roots there, right? Oh Jesus, we're starting hot. We're starting hot. I know. Uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Australia, the good, the bad, and the ugly, my friend Mark. You are, of course, the good, the great uh, of Australia. There, um, Ghost Phantom in the house. There he is. Good to see you, Dan. Excited to talk MMA. Not home versus Bueno Silva. I know. We'll be getting on with the show though. We'll be talking some MMA for sure. Doing a recap of UFC 290. I'll try not to beat or belabor points. But if anybody's got a, a right to victory lap uh, after getting beat down, or just making up for the lack of victory laps, or just for you know. Some decent calls and a great night, more importantly. Like, yeah, of course we're going to get into UFC 290. Uh, for those of you guys listening in the future, 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 five-star ratings and reviews are appreciated, especially that you guys have the luxury of fast-forwarding. Live viewers, unfortunately, you're stuck with me and the normal show, show format, which will be a top-to-bottom recap of the previous card, which, of course, is UFC 290. Uh, maybe a little break of the shout into the chats and whatnot. Again, uh uh, you know, uh, super chat people are a priority, but as you guys know, it's not a, it's not exclusive or any of that. Uh, gabage, I'll, I'll get to you as long as you are a good-hearted person there. Sorry for the microphone check. Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, and then of course we break down the card uh, that is on the, the, the top of the week that we're getting to. Right, 
you got plays, picks, looking to enjoy, whatever your thing is. Maybe you just are weird and like hanging out here. That's fine, too. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I appreciate you. Uh, we'll get to that top to bottom. And, of course, at the very end, I will recap my picks and plays and my defense. Uh, you know, not all shows do that. And if you have ADD like me, it's easy to lose track and go, what the heck? I just read that those, you know, whether it's listening or reading a book. I don't know if you guys get that. Or you're like, I just went through three pages and I got to go back. God damn it. Um I'm really bad with that, right? So uh, it's for you, it's for me, it's for everybody. And it's for free for what it's worth. Uh, still not coming up places like Stitcher, which I've held out long enough to where now I don't need to do it. Stitcher is no more. Uh, I procrastinate. I do need to get on the old SoundCloud. Uh, if there's any other places that you guys think I should be on that I'm not showing up, like any pod beans or, you know, flick beans or whatever they, the kids call it these days. Jesus, damn, really. Sorry. Just, you know, feel free to shout that. Of course, likes and, and all that stuff, uh, shares. You know, it's all it, it's all great, uh, even though I don't necessarily deserve it. I will say, in my defense of being late, I, I, not, I you know, not playing the violin. There's a lot going on, to be honest. But, yeah, I missed, uh, missed, missed dinner and uh, and a planned workout I wanted to get to. Uh, still kind of adjusting my schedule, both sleep and otherwise. Got got a lot going on from all sides here, and uh, but uh, the good news is that you guys don't care about that. We'll, we'll push through that. But I just say that to say that I did get a lot of uh, some good uh, research on a card that really doesn't deserve it. So I will have some takes, um, you know, for uh, for a decent pot of the card. Um, I even had to do a little extra this week because I got my video in early for next week's Tibura versus Aspinall, Aspinall, baby. Uh, we'll get to that, of course, next week. But yeah, uh, let's get to it here. Uh, appreciate you guys in the chats. Appreciate the likes as well. James Kendrick in the house. Hope you were having a great week, my man. UFC 290 was great. This card is not. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's not too great. Um, I, I what also isn't too great is me missing out on some shouts. Uh, if you guys follow me on the, uh, apologies if you haven't gotten through. Yet. I still got to do a, a, a clean up there on the Instagram. Um, but uh, if you guys follow me in general, you'll see me usually shout out my guy, uh, D Loves Turmeric Tonic. Not Master of Love, the round three specialist out there. I see you still listening, liking the tweets and whatnot, my guy. But uh, no, talking about my guy, Dustin Love, there. Uh, at theturmerictonic.com, use code PROTECT15 for 15% off. Great lemon, uh, ginger, and uh, turmeric. Uh, I still got a, a bottle in my fridge, and I forgot to grab it for the broadcast. I've been in such a scramble over here. Just got out of the shower. And, um, and yeah, uh, just forgot to, you know, my man sent me a, a nice care package, uh, just a good dude, and uh, great personal news on his front, which I won't share, but just want to give him a shout. Always rooting for people, uh, just uh, the good people in the community to do well, rooting for them personally, their business, uh, and otherwise, and this ain't even a paid shout, and, uh, and, and vice versa, just, just good people. Uh, doing good things for each other, you know, uh, which is which is ideal, man. So I, I definitely want to support and shout those who support and show that love. Um, I got my mic. Got Mike. Mike. I'll just. Uh, I don't know his last name. Not that I would say it. So I'll just go. Uh, code name Mike from Frozen, baby. My old. Uh, not not the not the Disney movie. Uh, although Mike is a man of mystery, perhaps he has a credit there too. Um, we used to work together, and uh, in fact, he was one of the only guys I could like. Uh, Back in my um, uh, my grocery store job, uh, he was like one of the only guys I could talk about like MMA with and stuff. And he actually listened to a podcast um, that uh, is still going today, an OG one uh, that I that people and then I shout all the time, the MMA analysis. Uh, and this was like before uh, I had my podcast and stuff, and then uh, I was still training to compete. Got my concussion that led me into this year job at 2015 ish. Uh, so I probably worked with Mike was like 2011 to 2012 to 20. Anyways, 
So uh, yeah, I, I, I ran into uh, ran into uh, him at the uh, a local dog place here, and um, it was just it was, it was good to see a familiar face. And he's like, yeah, I, I still listen to the podcast, uh, this podcast here. And I'm like, why would you torture yourself? You know, which I said everybody who listens to this thing. But I wanted to give him a shout, man. Um, I, I, I don't know why people listen to this show, but I just I, I love you guys that do it, uh, whether I know you in real life or I don't, right? So, um, whether I met you or not. So, I wanted to get those shouts out of the way, and we will move on to uh, 732 here. UFC 290 recap. Um, I'm going to pull up results because I am a profession now. Uh, we went 8-5 and five overall in picks, 0-1 oh in parlays. We did the, we, I know I, I warned myself. I said I could you know count on one hand. Maybe I've done one. And, uh, yeah, we'll maybe go back to going to none parlays after that. We'll get to that. 1-0 in straight plays. We'll definitely get to that. 1 out of 6 in round flyers. We'll talk about that. That's all you need, baby. It doesn't look great 1 out of 6 numbers-wise. But like I say, at the numbers we're playing, we'll be okay. 1 out of 4 in the round robins, which, of course, means nada es mucho for the long shot parlay. 0-1, we still ended up plus 3.55U, which is... It's crazy, man. We'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely talk about that when we get to the co-main event, which will be after the main event. But you know, essentially, this is you know, and I'm a, I'm a very anti-recency bias guy. I'm a very curmudgeon, very go against the grain. Oh, you're such a contrarian. Genuinely, you're just an asshole, or anything in between. All the above. It's fine. I'll take it. That being said, man, it was one of the best cards ever. It really was. Um, you know, uh, I've heard some cards mentioned, and it's weird. Like, a, a UFC 217 was mentioned. That was, like, the Dillashaw-Garbrandt rematch, I believe. Or the rematch was at 227. That's right. It was the first fight, the, the Bisping GSP, right? Uh, I just, like, legendarily ate crap on that card. And I almost wonder, does that affect how good a card is? This is maybe more for the, the gambling crowd can weigh in here in the chat or otherwise, right? And that is the that is ultimately the big fear, like... I'm, you know, I'm good on my money management. I hope you guys are good on your money management. Betting is a very dangerous thing, even when you're doing it for air quotes fun, right? So, even if you're doing it for fun, your air quotes good on your money. Like, hopefully, you're really, honestly, being solid on that. But even if you're being solid on that, one of the the big risks I find, right? Um, because I feel like I'm comfortable in those departments. But here's, because again, nobody's invulnerable to any department, mind you. But, but. One way or another is that I feel like it can it can cut on your enjoyment as a hardcore, and that's why I always express. And it sounds like I'm being ungrateful, you know, uh, when I'm talking to fellow analysts. You know, maybe it's a self-deprecating hat in hand because you know you hear like a lot of analysts who don't do the gambling stuff like talk down about MMA gambling. Anybody involved in it, and I don't blame them. I'm not hating on them for doing so, but it's like uh, you know, it's like the Rogan thing with early MMA in the '90s, where it's like it felt like you were working in porn. We're not quite out of that we're obviously elevated from that much so uh but within that there is still a bit of that that exists and it definitely goes toward the mma gambling side which again i've always said is one of the lower rungs of hell welcome to the show um it's uh it's it, it, but it, yeah it, it it risks ruining it as a hardcore whether you love it as a fan or you're a technical snob or anything in between i like to consider myself both um, you know, uh, I'm not above the uh, Korean zombie, you know, uh, Leonard Garcia, Nam Fam, uh, you know, uh, fights, uh, you know, uh, or anything like that. And, um, you know, UFC 189, is, of course, is like this 
greatest cards since that. And that, you know, regardless of what you think, it's obviously one of the greatest cards of all time. And that card was was great, you know, and, and so was uh, was just before that year, which ties into it, which was another great card uh, in Mexico. Uh, you had Cain Velasquez versus uh, Fabricio Verdun. And, um, um, and, uh, and yeah, I, uh, Verdun was, of course, one of my biggest hits. Many long-time listeners know I always talk about that as uh, gambling hits. Um, that felt great, especially, you know, you're, you're, you're fading the all-time guy. I was like, well, how could you fade this guy, right? And I had parlays that included Verdun at big numbers that tied in um, Robbie Lawler, who we'll get to, and the parallels of UFC 189, Robbie Lawler, with Alessandre Pantoja. Um, who kind of saved me from this feeling that I'm talking about, right? And uh, because, kind of like Pantoja, he's coming into a title fight, and even though Robbie Lawler was actually the champion, lest we not forget, people were already talking about Roy McDonald as the anointed champ coming into that fight, fulfilling the next GSP prophecy, next Canada's uh, Canadian dream, who they back then Canada was already needing and needing to look to their next guy, you know, and... and that's why I have hearts out to Canada and want them to rebuild. Was happy for them to have such success recently because it, it, it's been since like back in this card that I'm citing and everybody was already anointing it. And you hear Robbie, you know, talking about that fight that he got inducted to the Hall of Fame this past week, which was another worry of why I picked against him. And I'll definitely own to that. It's I don't give a shit. I'm, I've never been happier. Honestly, I probably this is this easily could have an argument for number one. I know recency bias. I've never been happier to be wrong about a pick. Um. But uh, but he you hear him talking about that in the uh, induction speech, saying he was coming for respect, you know. And he, Robbie just being this nice guy, even back in his menacing days and knocking out Frank Trigg days, you just hear all these these talk about character and you know the, the, these things like you know like rivals like Matt Sarah and Hughes. Sarah would be like, you know, I still always had respect for Robbie. He was always great with the group. Um, and you see that you're like, oh yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, he just he just came out to kill, man. You know, and he he, I could, he was kind of like a pit bull. You know, uh, has those two sides to him, easily misunderstood. You know, and, and and just just a class through and through, and and just a fantastic fighter to watch, right? So he comes through, and I just seeing him as an underdog. You know, against coming in against Rory McDonald was like, wow, this is this is I, I don't do we not watch the first? Fight? I know it was a competitive fight, but Robbie has not lost a step since then, you know, and um, and uh, and yeah, that was you know, I, I had Conor McGregor at minus one hundred five odds, I believe, against Chad Mendes. You know, so that came through. Um, I can't remember any of the bets because kind of similar again, kin to this card, it was kind of the last two fights that I was heavily invested in as a fan, pre and as a better pre going into it. And I think I remember losing some beats. Maybe I took a shot on Tim Means over Matt Brown or something. Sounds like something I might do, even though I love Matt Brown too as well. I just I'm a big Tim Means fan. He was probably the underdog, rightfully so, in that spot. Um, but yeah, I just remember uh, coming up big, and I I remember how amazing of a card, and it was an amazing card. And I remember wondering, did I just get away with one? I mean, we all just got away with one if you're if you're playing betting in MMA and you won. You got away with one. I'm sorry to break it to you. You're not special. You got away with one. Um, but I was like, yeah, did I just get away with one? Did, did, could, did I just risk ruining this amazing card for this silly thing like betting? Sorry for that long kind of diatribe, but hopefully that kind of resonates makes makes some sense with you guys, whether you, 
you gamble on it or not. And uh, this was very much the same. I mean, which is always the key case for me. Uh, you know, uh, not even just oh, what was me on this losing the bad beat, blah blah blah, blah cold streak, but whatever. No, no, no. Like even like on my best years, on you know four to five card winning streaks or whatever. Um, that seemed to have been the average for a little bit there, which is always insane, you know, when you have those little bursts like that. Um, big wins are not right, just just getting out with a win. But even on those cards, like it was really seldom that I hit. Even before I might, you know, I was a, more resigned to just picking and choosing my spots like I am now, and more paid to focus on main card spots like I am now. Even before that, when I was really trying to spread the love genuinely. Uh, now it would make sense that my prelim picks do poorly because, again, you guys notice I start from the top down, right? Unless there's something really good like a flyaway fight I really want to get to. Uh, but even back then when I was, air quotes, researching and tapering heavily, the prelim, those are always the fights that are just fucking wild cards, right? Um, a lot of the times. And harder to pick, less proven products, so on and so forth. So I was always used to being in the spot where you start off slow. But yeah, UFC 290 was a card where it definitely was that. And I think we were 0 for on literally everything until the last two fights. So let's start from the top. We, of course, had Alexander Volkanovsky uh, defeating Yair El Pantera Rodriguez. Um, you'll see 290 results. Using this Nighthawk router, hopefully that's uh, a little better now These uh, for connection. I'm going to test that. I'm going to be doing another uh, MMA rewind with my guy Brass Chuck speaking of the MMA analysis. We're looking at some, uh, maybe some strike force cards if I can tip the hand that far. But yeah, um, I'm just bullshitting with you guys as uh, I pull up results here. But yeah, um, Volkanovski wins in round three. Of course, we did flyers. Uh, not the typical .17. Yeah, we went Scotty Pippen, baby. I know. .33 units. Uh, across the board, play a shotgun sprinkle of three rounds. Usually it's two rounds for a three-round fight. Three rounds for a five-round fight is my style if I've got a certain read on it. Uh, unless I'm on the other side, of course, or I've done the first two rounds on if I'm on a side of the earlier finisher uh, of a five-rounder. But you just get the sexier numbers later on. So when you have those opportunities, you know I love to play those. And especially at the book, you know, if you are going to go down to the book, why not for a guy like Volkanovski? Why not for a big card like UFC 290? Why not for big numbers, which... Even though this is a dangerous card to play, I may do it just for some big late round numbers here, just for a small sprinkle. Because again, if you go rounds three, four, and five, uh, and even if you do step it up to the .33 units, which is almost double my normal .17 units, 17 ducats, dollars, 33 dollars, speaking in direct transfer, that's actually how I play. Keep it easy for you guys, and um, keeps me honest, that's for damn sure, because I'm usually was a, been a beer money guy for the majority of my gambling career. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, you still end up at just under a unit of exposure for a juiced-up number, right? That was a good way to cut it down. Of course, I still wanted some coverage in case it went to decision. Uh, you know, I put stuff in, like, whether I took it straight up for my prop squad things, like a round two Robert Whitaker. We'll talk about those hot rounds. You know, analysis was right or not. It was absolutely wrong in the Whitaker fight. We'll get to that. <laughs> I definitely have no crutch to stand on there. Um, but, like, you know, uh, I took, took, like, those round two shots and stuff there. Um... You know, uh, but you know, I, I still wanted some action on Whitaker since I thankfully, right? Whew, I hate to, to to steal my guy Clint's dodge the bullet term over there, but oh my goodness, um, I was almost drunk on power. You know, it was just set up for a Dan Tom trap. My guy Whitaker, who I never pick against, and I didn't pick against here. My analysis was wrong. 
But uh, boy, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, uh, of course, Volkanovski caches uh, does, does some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, the, the southpaw hooks uh, really had a feel for that. And this shot, those step-throughs really worked here. Didn't work as well with Makachev, who is much better at distant management, distance uh, management tools like uh, range and countering tools, like your classic southpaw check hook in conjunction with the kick. We saw people like AKA's uh, stablemates of Makachev's Luke Rockhold, how many miles he could get out with that. Makachev, of course, a, a more technical striker and offers a, a bit more to the table than Luke Rockhold, uh, especially with the left hand. Um, but yeah, um, you know, uh, Rodriguez, obviously, despite his improvements, uh, boxing range, not his strongest range. So that was really cool for Volk to get it done that way. And then you got the recreation of Frankie Edgar, uh, you know, between round three and four, um, which again, I have a lot of parallel themes going into this fight as far as that goes. And that as just face value stuff, not pound for pound technical detail stuff, obviously no offense to the ladies. Uh, just saying, you know, I'm not trying to make an apples for apples comparison. Everybody gets mad when you make comparisons. I'm just talking about certain things that are apropos here. Um, but yeah, uh, we go to, uh, that definitely helped, right? That was like, I think it was like, you know, at 0.33 units, even at the lower numbers, you're looking at, um, a minimum of a three unit cash. Uh, and then uh, it was like four units in change. Uh, sorry, the dog eating. Good boy, Benjamin. Well, of course you guys got to eat when you have an audience, right? Literally. Uh, it's not a very big audience though, Ben. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys being here. Hit that like button. Um, but, uh. Uh, but yeah, and then of course round five would have been like what, like 500 ducats or whatever. Uh, so uh, yeah, round three, uh, I'll take it. It gets us, uh, it gets us across the finish line. It would have been probably just a slight loss, but I would have been okay with it because I just felt so good seeing my guy Alessandre Pantoja win. Uh, okay, got my guy uh, Fanyo in the house. What up, Fanyo from the fight site? You should be uh, listening to Fanyo's early prelim podcast and his preview podcast, which unfortunately we're only blessed with for pay per views. Uh, but again, he does the Monday uh, podcast on the Fight Site feed, and I'm going to get Fanyo back on for one reason or another, um, who has been uh, just, a, just a great presence to this show in more ways than one, my man. He says, yeah, you're getting away with punching without boxing uh, a lot lately. Oh, correct Mundo. He says he couldn't do the janky head movement here with the wrestling threat. Yeah, that was apt. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, uh, that makes sense, you know. Um, yeah, you're not a kind of guy. I mean, he kind of crumbled at the end there, but as far as like pressure or the moment, you know, you, I, I wouldn't have blamed it on that. I think that was much more sensible. The uh, the invisible yet very visible and present wrestling threat that uh, Fenyo just pointed out. Uh, I'll get to your guys's uh, the rest of you guys is here uh, in a in a in a second here. Uh, we got a lot of Robbie Lawler love. I'm, I'm gonna be jump over to that for that. Uh, appreciate you guys in the chat. See uh, Marcus Mustard in there. Rain Lamina in the house. Um, and of course the usual suspects uh, hit that like button appreciate the love guys um, <clears throat> yeah so uh, so uh, again it uh, it wouldn't have mattered if that didn't happen because uh, man I just felt so good um, in the fields for, for Pantoja again you know uh, the Robbie Lawler parallel you know a guy you know I know Robbie Lawler is not Brazilian although shouts uh, again Robbie Lawler is a guy that could have been you know if, if UFC uh, who doesn't do woke shit, even though they celebrate every month, but Asian Pacific Islander Month. Um, Robbie Lawler, part Filipino, would have been uh, a great, uh, a fantastic person for that. But uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, but uh, no, uh, he, 
Ooh, where the fuck are we at right now? But yeah, oh yeah, the the uh, the parallels there. Yeah, he's not Brazilian, but you know the same kind of like the Brazilian warhorse path. You know, uh, Robbie Lawler actually got a lot of promotional love early, and then even coming back, even though you know, I believe he might have been an underdog um, to Josh Koscheck, but they gave him like a prominent spot to kick off on the main card when he when he comes back to the UFC at welterweight and whatnot. But uh, he was definitely just you know. And a lot, you know, due to his own just inconsistencies, self-admitted, falling asleep at press conferences, not wanting to cut weight, you know, and stuff like that. Um, he just uh, ended up on, on kind of the long road there, uh, whereas Pantoja more the Brazilian warhorse angle. Um, that's what I call it, uh, you know, anyways. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of like the uh, Charles Dubronxes of the world and stuff like that, just all action. How can you not love these guys like They've been fighting like this their entire career, folks. Like, they've made improvements and refinements that are worth acknowledging, but they've always been fun fighters. Like, go back to his Shuto Brazil days. Like, you just see an aggressive, fun fighter pressuring, and I believe the ring that back there in that, those days. So, that would, uh, back then. And uh, I always get flashbacks of that Tyson Nam uh, KO as well. Um, Shuto Brazil, baby. But, um, yeah, like, it just, 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 just. Being a big fan of this guy, shout out to the MMA Analysis Podcast again, especially my guy Wes Colvin. I know he's another big Pantoja guy. Me and him big, big Pantoja fans from the jump. And believe me, it feels much better to bet with your heart. Um, I would I would have done so easily in a heartbeat if that was my style, right? If that was my job. Um, and pick Robbie Lawler, I would have felt much better about it. Believe me, folks. Very happy for you guys who cashed there. And I wasn't doing that here again when I when my breakdown for this. I said that I actually came in leaning toward Moreno. You know, with the thing, they're just like, ah, man, they, they made they made Pantoja wait till he aged out, you know? Thinking about the bad optics of his of his cardio and this and that, which, by the way, everybody talking about his cardio, uh, everybody talking about decision, maybe they, they, they should be at least, because uh, not only a few people picking the Pantoja, but how many people picked him by decision specifically? Called it. Not just control, because control doesn't score, but what he did with the control, the optics of it, going for things in conjunction with the more damaging shots, particularly early or on in the fight. That's uh, that's that's what uh, that's what got the, the party started for Pantoja and was able to keep the ball rolling. And I said, like a more aggressive Jose Aldo. Again, not an apple for apples comparison here, but as far as he's not like a a slouch or something, like he just doesn't care and like he doesn't train hard and has no idea of pacing although he could be fighting smarter pace he is just a ridiculously high paced fighter and um he but he needs his pockets to recoup right so it just creates bad optics which is why he also has really bad round twos even in fights that he wins like this fight or other fights against other good guys where he actually finishes them in round two like brandon royville right so uh, like i called this i called it he, he decision Pockets to recoup, particularly round two, which was Moreno's most clearest round. No one was arguing that round, right? Definitely. Um, so sorry, I just I gotta I I, I got you know. I, no one's gonna give you your flowers uh, as I as I learn and continue to learn. You can't expect people to give you your flowers as I learn and continue to learn. And as I've needed to continue to learn, you gotta stop and smell your own flowers. God damn it! And I hope Pantoja is. I'm definitely going to do. Uh, so with my small bouquet, that is only there in thanks to him. And, and uh, yeah, we should all smell our flowers no matter what they are, where they come from, man. And it was it was just it was just beautiful to watch. And I'm a Brandon Moreno fan. I'm a Safe Sayud fan. You know, I'm a fan of his team. Uh, man, I'm I got love for Mexico. Man, it's n nothing to do with that. 
uh, it just seeing the guy who is disrespected, you know, given that long path. I talked about all these themes, and they came out whether it's the technical analysis from the pacing, the result of the decision, to the personal touches like the uh, Uber Eats and stuff like that, which I know, you know, he's kind of come out and he doesn't want any like you could tell he just clearly doesn't want reprisal, and that that opens just up a whole nother just sad conversation in the. Not just the UFC, just kind of it's the system we all are all kind of in, right? You know, um, we have bosses, work under capitalism, all that fun stuff, right? These are just themes, you know. You don't want to s where you eat, but at the same time, it's it's you gotta acknowledge that you deserve more, and I think we at the very least have to acknowledge that. And to see a guy, you know, being relegated to the prelims with the other the uh, flyweights, kept on the sidelines i know there was an injury on one of his parts when he finally did get a shot i understand that that was a re- legit reason uh for one of the things but to see that guy finally get his day it was just like holy shit man and then just you know the personal stuff the fine and he's just like just a family dude just like he's just that's he doesn't want to be rich and famous he just wants like just you know it seems like i'd be just just content to pay his bills and i, I totally appreciate and sentiment that you know, and then the, the the dad stuff, like holy crap, like uh, you know the father stuff and this and that, like man, <clears throat> I mean this sport, uh, whether it's the fighters or uh, you know uh, uh, schlubs like me in the gym or uh, you know uh, randos like you just enjoying the sport, right? Like none of us are exempt from this, but there is a magnet to. You know, there's stereotypes like lower uh, socioeconomic people the fighting, but like a lot of it, a lot of it, I know it's a lot of broken, broken families, and a lot of uh, especially with uh, the men, which is of course some, you know, a an an obvious kind of majority there. Um, bad relationships with the fajas, the father figures, and this and that, and uh, man, you know, I just I'm sure we all have our stories and things we've been through. I definitely have mine. And, uh, yeah, you see a guy like Pantoja just pouring his heart and soul out there for to, to bear. As if he didn't do it enough through fighting, he just he did it in all forms. And how do you, how do you not love that, man? Um, of course, I scored it. And I hate that the scoring thing becomes a thing, but I scored it rounds 1, 3, and 5. I did a thread on that that seemed to get some decent traction. Um, it just, I just felt a bit crazy, you know, whether it's analysts uh, or, or scoring people. <clears throat> um, I respect Shout out to my guy Scott and, uh, by the way, Dan Irvin, Couchside Judges. If you're into the scoring stuff, that's the podcast uh, you guys should be listening to. Um, but, yeah, we're across the board, uh, you know, people I respect, uh, you know, seem kind of like uh, dismissive, a bit reductive on Pantoja striking early in round five. And my guy Fenyo um, signed off on me and some others did, did as well. But, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, re-watch, I rewatched that round uh, like four or five times, actually, because I just felt crazy. Like, why am I seeing something? And yeah, no, I, I just felt like he lands the more impactful shots in the first minute and 30. Um, you got Brandon Moreno with a strong commentary push, having a good 45 seconds or so. And then, um, and then uh, you know, uh, he lands his best shots of the round. But again, that's the thing. It's like, uh, especially with round, I want to say round three and round five, or maybe it's round four and round five. But here's the danger of just not just being reductive which is the danger of the way it's written as far as or or interpreted maybe not even so much the way it's written but the way it's largely interpreted is a problem as far as immediate over cumulative because people have that in their mind to just not acknowledge cumulative if 
there's one immediate that outweighs it. It's like, well, if you're doing that, you got to be real sure that that really impacted them, right? Like, were they knocked down? Were they visibly rocked? Like, yes, were they cut? Like, people cut easily. I said that in my breakdown of my analysis. Pantoja cuts easily. That's going to happen. He, he gets cut in all his fights. But was he really rocked, you know? Um, did Brandon Moreno's shots in beginning of round five move him? Or was that... Uh, was that Pantoja already circling and kind of moving with the shot? And he actually goes and wins the exchanges. You know, that's another thing. It's like, okay, if you're not sure if he was hurt, if he wasn't rocked, if he wasn't uh, wobbled, if he wasn't knocked down, if there's not immediately bruising with cuts or cuts, right? Cuts are still worth it. They still score, obviously. Like the elbows Moreno hits in round, I think, three it is, right? Like those obviously still score. Um, but I also say be careful about overvaluing that, you know? Uh, I I, I want to see is, is is Pantoja visibly backing off after that? He didn't. He keeps coming forward after these shots. In fact, he gets takedowns and then continue, and then finishes the round strong. You know, either taking over the round in round five, or in round three where he does get sloppy and he loses position, but lands the most damaging shots. Both he or Moreno could lay claim to in that entire round with the up kick and five slicing elbows off the back. To seal the deal in a round that you could have already argued that he was slightly up. Close and competitive it was, folks. I know I like to separate those words. I hate the stop using the oxymoron. Love you guys, Couchside Judges. Stop saying close and competitive. Especially Scott, you're a word guy. You know you know better. It's an oxymoron. It's competitive. Uh, it, it, it's, it's competitive but clear. Not close but clear, sorry. Close but clear is an oxymoron. It's competitive but clear. But this fight was honestly close and competitive all the way through. So we can throw... All those sayings and my weird pet peeves about it all out the window here because it was a close and competitive fight all the way through. But again, not just the danger of being reductive scoring and you end up weighing something, your argument, you're hang, hanging your hat on an argument with the air quote immediate strike. And it's like, okay, how much, how how, how sure are you, did, you know, did, did, that, did that hurt them, right? Because um, again, the only person to really back people up with strikes in those rounds, especially even the fifth round, was... Uh, or third round, I believe, was uh, Pantoja, and those were body shots. Again, body shots not getting the love, right? Even though they're some of the hardest strikes in the round. Seldom do you hear them cited in a lot of arguments. Actually got Moreno to physically check his body, slow his pace down, back up, and allow for more body shots immediately after. That tells me he was hurt, right? Not, oh, big punch to the head, but the guy keeps moving forward and then wins the next three exchanges. Oh, but he was cut. Audio listeners, I just did the Dan Tom jerk off GIF, you know. So you know, it, it, it become dangerous in that area. And then again, this also these rounds in particular have a have a great argument as far as like okay, uh, it's uh, why it's dangerous to hang your hat on just one air quotes immediate impactful shot is because well, what happens immediately after these most immediately impactful shots that everybody's citing from Moreno in round three and five. Uh, Pantoja either returns hitting harder shots if we're talking about round three or takedowns if we're talking about both rounds and or taking control and closing and finishing the round strong trying to finish the fight in round five despite being told which was very problematic by the way that his corner that he was up three rounds to one he still goes out there and goes for the finish is that not what we want is that not what criteria is supposed to score is that not what this fight is for Round five, Pantoja, one, three, and five. Um, and I'll, I will, I will stand to that. Uh, I'll try to go through the rest of this a little bit um, 
Fastrush Master, but you guys, I want to pay off some love to the uh, chat real quick. Um, <laughs> uh, Rio says in Truesdale, how good is Volkanovsky? You and Ghost mentioned the Southpaw body kick that Volk had trouble with Islam, uh, with Islam, and Volk came in with an answer to it. Yeah, I got to look closer uh, as far as the exact tactics, but um, his closing off and closing, closing the stance, stepping into that, those right hooks, I know was one of them. Uh, that he's built off of his previous work. Um, James Kendrick, what do you think of analysts giving unfair uh, analysis towards fighters who have clearly improved? Seems insulting to the fighter, no? Uh, yes, but you can't take that stuff personally because it's sometimes it's just like I can try and just be dead wrong on something because I'm me, of course. But no, no, we're, we're human is more the thing if we're being honest with ourselves, right? And there's a lot of it that's just honestly, man. When you're paid to talk, you'll say you'll say you'll say dumb things. And honestly, there's just too much to keep track of. And Dunbar's number is a real thing. And the UFC shoving us this many fighters, even if you're like a show who like you're just gonna focus on like you know uh, select fights or whatever. And I'm kind of evolving into that myself as much as I can, even though I kind of have to cover the majority of these cards for one reason or another, right? Um, so I'm not hating, but I'm just saying that even if like you have a, a an air quotes lower slate to carry it's still too much MMA even if it's just UFC and you're picking your spots it's still too much MMA like that's the reason why I have to watch tape it's not I don't like to I shouldn't need to sometimes I feel like I don't need to after I get done but there's a lot of times more often than not more than I like to admit where I'm like crap I forgot all about this um, which is part of me wants to try to keep better notes to see if that helps but um, I don't know sometimes you just gotta see things right because you're looking for different things might be a different matchup this time I'm looking at. I am an older person who hopefully is more wiser and have learned some things. Maybe I pick up something different, right? So it's it's, but it's tough to do that work. It it burns it burns you out. It, it causes things. It's tough. I, I can attest. So I'm not hating. I just suggest that if you see something, hear something suspect, instead of you know, not saying you're doing that, James or anybody here in the chat, but you know, instead of getting mad or unsubscribing or dislike or whatever, just um. Yeah, give a little bit of understanding their way. It's like, you know what? They probably just wouldn't have time to brush up, you know? Uh, Ghost Phantom, I love Robbie Lawler. What a perfect way to end his career. I was tearing up when they showed his tribute reel. Yeah, I'm going to pick up, uh, stop there, and I'll pick back up there because there's some Robbie Lawler stuff. Uh, we've got a Drakus Duplessis, Drakus Duplessis, baby. Robert the Reaper Whitaker. Boy, I got to tip my hat, though, um, to Drakus. Um, I didn't get, go back to rewatch, but he fought more, much more disciplined, you know? Uh, he still had jank that came out during the finishing sequence, but he also had beautiful body work that came out of that finishing sequence. You, know, you could tell he really did his homework as far as like seeing the lead hand, uh, the southpaw counters, whether it was from Till early on or uh, Cannoneer in that round three off the lead hand with the right hook. Um, seeing that you know those lead hand shots, whether it was a jab, I think he actually ended up caught it, catching him with, uh, or the right hook off that stance was going to be uh, was going to be good. Uh, it looked like that, just like, you know, uh, uh, who was it? I, a podcast I listened to? Someone said they went back to rewatch it, and it's like there's a lot more of that early success than what you realize live, which I definitely can kind of see in retrospect, but I didn't go back to watch, so I'm not going to weigh in on that one. Um, that was the thing, too. I, I suppose I got this is a busy week because I actually stopped to like kind of like enjoy, sink in, tweet about make threads rewatch i never do that because there's just there's too much mma i have to turn the page um so i actually was able to do that with this card but with that fight i did not you know cope 
Robert Whitaker Cope. Uh, no, man, I, I gave plenty of credit to Duplessy uh, and tipped my hat to him. I'm just glad that uh, I saved my uh, my ass and didn't dump eight units. And could you imagine? Because again, back to that 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 that, that thought I shared at the beginning of the card, like instead of this amazing card, I get this dude who's like, you know, uh, I'm not a big fan of, uh, obviously. Uh, his fan base is not a big fan of me, and they've, they've obviously spent a lot of time trolling me, obviously. To lose that card and then, you know, to... Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't even really get shit for losing the pig, which is fine. I don't give a shit. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, come at me for that. That's cool. Uh, still winning night. Save, saved the night. But, man, could you imagine, though? Like, I would have... I would have deserved the the the, the uh, Duplessis army, uh, the, the Third Reichuses to come after me. Um, in that case, you know, uh, I'm just I'm just oof. again shout out to my guy Clint Bullet dodged. Um, Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner via split decision. Man, my first instinct was Turner via decision, and then I was like, Dan Hooker is super live here. Dan Hooker is super live here. I just didn't have the balls to pick him. Um, they both were. Troublesome to body work, but Dan Hooker seemed to be less durable to it, even though Jalen Turner, not impervious durability, uh, arguably, easily arguably less durability to the head. Um, but all things being equal, I took Jalen Turner, and then he misses weight for the first time, and he's already been subject to, even though when he weight makes weight, he is so big that his performances are often due to his cuts, and they kind of speak to his performances in wins and losses, for what it's worth. And uh, that immediately got me scared off of anything for Turner. I did think it was the hot round. I already was invested on the round two, which again, if you look at that, it was either I was either going to get a U. I think it was either going to pocket a unit if Jalen Turner won, or pocket over three units if Hooker wins in round two. And they both almost finish each other. In fact, it was just one of those arguable saved by the bell if there ever was one. Um, the ref wasn't even didn't even hear the bell, and it was already like motioning to wave the fight off. Like we we were right there. For that round two, I'm not trying to be like, oh, the analysis, because my round two hot round analysis was terrible for the previous fight. That said, it was pretty on point for the rest of these, even if they didn't cash for whatever that's worth. I know. A lot of you guys are probably doing your own Dan Tom Jerkoff jiff back to me, and that's fine. I deserve it. Bo Nickel defeated Val Woodburn via first round TKO. Nice check right hook, baby. Uh, Southpaws never leave home without it. Um, let's go Bo Nickel. It's probably going to be Bo Nickel versus uh, Dreykus Duplessis uh, uh, for the title. Uh, you know, we're going to be, uh, we're going to have to be, uh, I, I, you know, I'm scared for Izzy, man. Be rooting for Izzy, but I'm going to be scared for Izzy, too. I'm not going to lie, man. You can't let your personal bias get in the way of these things. And uh, curious to see uh, where the plus number goes on Dreykus that's already out. Um, we'll see if I end up on him. I'm not saying I'm full sell, but I'm just saying uh, even if I pick Izzy, there ain't no way I'm playing him in that fight. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. We could be in for the reign of Third Rikus, and the only one man will save us, and that is, help me, Ov1, uh, red-haired bow, O-Nickel Kenobi, uh, whatever. I don't know what I'm going with that. He does kind of look like a young Al Guinness if Guinness was a ginger, right, and not a pedo. Dan, is, was he was he a pedo? Or am I just I kind of make everybody a pedo, so maybe that's not, not true. Anyways, definitely not a pedo. Robbie Lawler <laughs> defeated Nico Price uh, via first-round KO. My God, again, couldn't have been happier have been wrong and uh again back to my guy ghost fan i'm talking about that tribute will i want to give credit to the ufc you know we talk about not paying credit to their you know history and this and that and, and, and in their defense it's very hard to do um and because of again the schedule it's just too much just the way that you should kind of cut slack to analysts 
Same goes for just anybody in this space, man, trying to keep up in this crazy space like the UFC, not Dana White or the brass, obviously, but the people working in the UFC, man, like uh, whether it's the commentators talking or more important, the people behind the scenes that are busting their ass to give this entertainment that no matter what, what, how we feel, what proverbial side of whatever fucking culture world war is a shoot du jour this week, those people are working their ass off. They deserve the credit. And for them to actually pull their sleeves up in an already insane week, not as insane because they're not doing the three cards like they usually do, but still the fact that they'll fly guys like Don Fry out, paying respects, and like those guys, Mark Coleman, you know those guys get jazzed, you know, they they get to kind of feel special again as they fucking deserve to, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that in a negative, condescending way, I hope it didn't come off that way. Uh, to, to, to give those guys that gift is beautiful to uh, the obviously the tribute reel. You know, they even even uh, without playing it post, whatever your feelings are of doing the dual screen, like where they trying to get Rabbit to cry or whatever your opinions on that are aside, um, they played that same sizzle reel before, and it was it was just awesome. And you got to give them credit where it's due, just like the matchmakers for the cards like this when it's due. I know we'll rip them to to pieces when uh, when it comes to the card we're going to break down here shortly. But you really got to give credit for that. Ghost Phantom adds very rare for me to be emotional since MMA is such a silly. Uh, rinky-tink sport with silly nonsense surrounding it. Yeah, I was emotional and happy, and at that point, I was absolutely winless for the night. Um, I think I only had Nico Price round two and around Robin. I stayed away from the attempting to parlay him, because you're like, oh, everyone's betting with their heart. This could be a sneaky spot as a better, right? Where you... The, those those spots could be potential gold mines as betters. Obviously, it wasn't because it was a minus 225 number, which is not sexy no matter who you're talking about, much less Nico Price. Um, but you know what I mean. Uh, I guess glad I, I stayed away from that one, too. Um, Jimmy Kudo, speaking of Jack Della, I with, wish Josiah Hara well in his health career. Yeah, definitely. Brain stem clot in a serious, and I feel bad for making fun of him last week when they were booking the fight. Yeah, the guy, actually, uh, they booked a better guy here, and no disrespect to Harrell, who I hope is okay, man. That brain stuff is very serious, the clot stuff. That's uh, that's what my mom had almost uh, almost killed her. And um, to be honest, um, shit's genetic, so I, I I should be getting checked. Also, the scary part of it is not only is it genetic, um, not only can they disrupt by brain trauma, they also can form even if they're not genetic by brain trauma. So just the fact that I've had as many concussions and been doing some kind of combat squirts and kicking and punching since uh, 1992 on and off, yeah, there's probably a... Good chance there's some there's some fucked up shit that uh I'll be honest. Got a little bit of that fighter, um uh, I'll worry about later when I'm done competing, even though I'm not a competitor, I'm not an athlete, I I suck and I'm closer to forty than I am thirty, but yeah, it's real shit, man. Good, uh, shout out to uh regulation for when it actually does work. Eric McGracken tweeted that out. Um Marcus Mustard, Robbie's career is really impressive. 20 years, roughly, as a pro. A bit more. Yeah, man. Again, these long war horse careers are insane. It, it's insane. I mean, Robbie fought in the Super Brawl eras. Last one of the guys to fight Pride. I mean, like, just like Eve Edwards I was talking about, you know, Elite XC, Super Brawl. Like, dude, it was insane. I mean, uh, fought, fought in my uh, backyards of Hawaii and Las Vegas, you know. Um... Rain Lamina, the George O'Keefe of Internet Beef, the Jack Slack of the Human Backpack Attack. Keeping it PG today for Dan. I appreciate you, Rain Lamina. Jin Karasu, what's going on, Jin? It's been a while. It has been a while. 
Uh, I love the community that you built here. Trying, man, trying, and it wouldn't be uh, one or uh, any of one without you guys. So thank you guys for that. Uh, don't give me the credit. Um, Ghost Phantom, shout out to Volkanovski, inside kick, uh, switch stance to the right hook. Yeah, that's definitely a great uh, uh, tactic for him that he, he applied well. Uh, James Kendrick, non-leveraging shots, scoring is Dan's biggest pet peeve. You know what it is. Yet people still argue it weirdly. Yeah, it's it is it is insane. Uh, we'll get to that shortly uh, with that Southpaw report that I posted with this week with the Bueno Silva versus Fioro, uh, which I don't disagree with the decision. By the way, uh, even though there are arguments, we talked to uh, other educated analysts like my guy Fanyo. Uh, I'm not trying to argue the score or the winner, but it's much much more closer than that score in, in, in shows. And the fact that Fioro got a 10-8 and Bueno Silva didn't get a 10-8 in round three when she fought morose and lost it should have been a draw go back to that round I mean, she fucked her up on all three levels really like limp in hurt to the body multiple times hurt to the head cuts bruises i don't know what the fuck else do you want submission threats like it was like it reminded me it was much more stronger at the time it was probably a little more emotional not as strong in the rewatch but it reminded me like uh magni uh gasoline back in the day where like one of the rounds where i was like he got two knockdowns uh, two takedowns, pass to mount, uh, back mount. Um, like, what do you want? What do you want to bring a fucking prison shank to get a ten eight here? You know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, and then we got a uh, Jin Karasu. Close but clear is a bad term. Thank you, Jin Karasu. What is the reasoning why? So I can brag to my friends and seem smart in front of them when talking. I mean, I don't, I don't under, I don't, I don't understand. It, it sounds, you know what it is. As a fan of alliteration, and this happens with a lot of writers, and I'm very guilty of it too. I'm not above this, folks. You, if it sounds good, you start saying things, or you do the ignorant guy thing, and I'm an ignorant guy, and I'm a stupid guy. So, I again, I'm not above when I'm when I'm complaining here. I'm just as well to admit myself. But you will say words that don't even make sense. They just don't make sense. They just sound like they made sense. You never stop to look it up and properly put it into context. We've all probably done that if we want to be honest. I definitely have done that. So, I think that's where it comes from. Um, so cut us some slack. Cut everybody some slack. Rio Susan Truesdale says, What's up with the narratives that Joe Rogan keeps pushing during broadcasts? Like, yeah, you're so technical. Uh, Volk beat Islam, steel cups, and his hands must be hurt. Again, Rogan has talked so much that he, uh, he kind of just, uh, he kind of just speaks, uh, you know, uh, in his uh, just 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 repeated terms. I mean, that's that why I list, stopped listening to his podcast. However, thousand episodes ago, like I think I right right, right about when you know, started getting like to like the four hundreds or so, I believe. And then I don't know, way before the Spotify days, so I don't, I don't know what's going on there anymore. Third Reichus do <laughs> him and Adesanya face off with Cillian Cringe. Yeah, that was really cringe. That was uh, that was very cringe. I have a note on that. I just uh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, da, 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 da. Brain clots are scary stuff. You okay? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's really going on in there? You could have a ticking time bomb. You never know. But yeah, I definitely should should get checked out. Um, and my ass still wants to compete because I'm stupid. Mark Fellows, my family jewels got caught in the blender this morning. Don't worry, just a scratch. I hope you're... Oh, my God, Mark. I hope you're all right. All right, let's blow through the rest of these. Uh, of course, Tatsuo Tyra defeated Edgar Chiarez. Unanimous decision. Um, not an impressive victory by Tyra. He was saved by the bell, too. Speaking of saved by the bell, Jesus. Um, 
The closest he did come to getting to finish was round two, though, for whatever that's worth. I didn't play it. Um, I don't think. Yeah, no. Uh, Denise Gomez versus uh, Yasmin Hauregi. Uh, TKO. Oh, my goodness. Did I have her in the part? I forget. The the one part that I played was busted, so uh, possibly. Um, no, no. It was actually, I avoided this one somehow, even though I talked about it on the podcast and then still got burnt by uh, uh, Duplessis. Um, yeah, this was over quick. Uh, hopefully, Hauregi can bounce back. And good for Denise Gomes, man. Uh, Alonzo Menafield looked great defeating Jimmy Crute via sub. I really appreciate Jimmy Crute. I, I felt for him. I don't want to take away from Alonzo Menafield's victory because he's showing some real improvements, and that deserves to be acknowledged. Excited for what's next for Menafield. I hope they give him a good matchup. But uh, I'm also glad that Crute was, you know, very vulnerable. And that's why it's it's a strength, man. You And, and you see fighters like Chris Curtis, shots to Chris Curtis, reciprocating it, you know, saying, like, man, I feel this, man. I feel this. Your identities to it, the frustration. Um, I mean, even as silly as gambling on this stuff week to week, or competing or doing whatever your job is there's a uh, certain goals and stuff you don't meet i mean it's 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 relatable in a lot of different ways but it's in i can only imagine how intense that feeling is when it's translated in the way of being a professional fighter and risking your body on the line so wishing crew nothing but the best mentally and physically victor petrino defeated marcin pracnia via sub uh shout out again liam 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 picks fights what a great guest last week uh Give him a follow at Olympics Fights. He gave this one out and said, said said to look out for it. It was posted at big numbers for anybody that grabbed uh, Petrino by sub. If you didn't like that big number, like I didn't, and you shouldn't have either. Uh, Cameron Simon defeated Terrence Mitchell very fast via first round TKO. Um, Jesus Aguilar defeated Shannon Ross very fast via first round knockout. Again, that durability. Uh, and Estevan Ribovich uh, defeated Comuela Kirk via unanimous decision. Again, uh, I ended up, just because, like, it was such a, a fun and exciting card, and I ended up with only, like, barely five units, which is, like, about two units under my average, uh, that I stake for each card. So I was like, fuck it, let's let's have fun. Let's not be so dependent on the last thing. That's why Impulse added the five-legger at plus money for one unit and added a .17.U, three-round sprinkle on Rebovich. So I really only added a unit and... Uh, 17 ducats, right? And still ended up roughly a unit under my average, which is pretty conservative, right? Um, uh, so no big miss there. And again, for what it's worth, Rebovich, that was the round, even with the uh, the weight cut. It's just one of those things that just, you know, uh, some people, you know, I'm defending people like uh, Pantoja, right? But some people, it just doesn't matter what weight you go. And we've seen this before. I'm not picking on Kirk. It just it's just it's just the way your pacing and your constitution is, right? Um, even if you're a lower weight class, the you know, uh, which is still 155, even though he was moving up, he's still in a lighter weight division, not flyweight with a longer gas tank, but yeah. Um, da -da -da -da. John Atlas said, I rolled my eyes the whole time Liam Liam was talking up DDP. Turns out he was onto something. Yeah, shout out to Liam, man, again. Uh, he had some really sharp reads that aged very well. Um, so really appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, James Kendrick says, can we talk about Gomes versus Hauregi for a second? Uh, why did she stand so close so early? I remember you talking about how Whitaker establishes a large distance. So why Hauregi stand in boxing range? 
I'm not sure. I gotta go back and rewatch that to be honest, James, to give you a better answer. But we should point out that this could be a common thread at least early, where maybe it's just she just gets aggressive and excited. She's very young and she's been hurt, albeit not finished. She has been hurt, if we remember, even in her previous wins. So perhaps there is a common thread there. As far as tactics and range finding, I can't give you an exact answer, sadly, sir. But I appreciate it. All right, 54-54. We will go much shorter for the breakdown. It was a it was a worthy recap, though. That was a card worth recapping in my defense this week. Right, folks? Um, anyways, we're going to move it on to UFC Vegas 77. UFC Fight Night. Home versus Bueno Silva. UFC and ESPN 49. Again, talking about remembering fighters, it's just hard enough to remember these titles. Gonna have a sip of water. We got Holly Holm coming in at roughly minus 184. Uh, plus 142, the comeback on Maida Bueno Silva. She's looking like to get up to plus like uh, 150 and 160 in houses. Um, in houses, uh, I'm looking at. Um, I. Uh, I ended up grabbing Buena Silva at plus 152. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm just thinking right now. My breakdown's not even out as I'm recording this. I don't think. Unless it dropped on Junkie. My know my co-main, which is now a feature about Junkie Park versus Duraev, um, is up on Action Network as long as with my tracked plays for this one. Um, but yeah, Buena Silva. Um, I ended up playing that. And I might as well just give you my plays right now, even though I'm like kind of uh, spoiling it uh, going backwards here. Um, I don't suggest you tail me. Uh, in general, I never put a gun in people's head. And this isn't one where I'm like, they got the dog wrong, trust me. Um, this is more of a fade, although there are legit tactical themes and, again, more gas tank themes that I've been pretty good with my reads on that I'll get into here in a second, uh, which is why I think uh, the better plays here, which is my main, which is more my main plays, I added the money line just because I, I thought it was going to go tighter. If you look at what they did for someone like Arena Aldana, um, I was like, okay, well then maybe they'll go tighter for Buenos Aires, who's more dangerous in more different areas. But it's not. This is actually going to go wider. And regardless of line movement, and regardless of the fact that she's already a dog and a decent dog price, um, you will get a much better line and a potential hedge if you're on the Holly Home Parlay train, the Holly Home Decision train, if uh, you wait. Because uh, Holly Home's going to get off to a good start in this fight. Myra Buena Silva usually has uh, pretty slow starts. She's she's plotty and slow footed. She actually makes decent efforts to to cut to cut the cage, and doesn't follow as linear as 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 a lot of fighters do in her defense. But she's still very plotty and slow footed. It can be countered and timed coming forward. It's not the most difficult thing. She does deflect a lot of shots off of her high guard. Um. But it's still very bad optics, right? So I think after round one, round two, even, you're going to get much better prices. So do not follow me there. I am just not a very good live better. Uh, I'm both going to say skill-wise, though maybe I am. I just, it's one of those things, and I shouldn't say that because my dumb ass, again, another reason why I'm just not being self-deprecating. Uh, like, I didn't successfully order off of food apps until this year, which is, like, not a good idea that I figured it out, by the way. But listen... Like, uh, and one of my other things that I've like not never been able to do is put a live bet in for whatever reason. The houses I play, maybe the houses I play, it always gets frozen when I'm trying to do it. I always get locked out. Like, 
it sounds silly, and I don't try that often, but this is also why, because when I do, it just it, it never works for me. And or I'm also less frequently watching UFC live because I'm trying to live my own life, go out, you know, go out on nice dates and do things like that. Like I'd, I'd rather spend my nights doing stuff like that. So I, I'm not even around even if I wanted to. So a lot of reasons um, why I don't talk about the live betting or this or that. But this is one of those where that's what you would want to do for the Bueno Silva side. That said, if you are going to do anything pre-flop, this is what I did before I did the money line, which was kind of impulse. Because I do believe that Bueno Silva, like Pantoja, if it does get there, um, can win a decision for being the more damaging fighter. We saw Holm make more of an effort for that. You know, she would grapple, 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 control her wrists, and then if she couldn't get a takedown, she would actually break off with an elbow with Yana Santos and then break away. She wouldn't do anything extended, and she would probably eat a bunch of body knees in the process before that, which is bad because um, even though Yano Santos is a much, much bigger fighter than Buena Silva, he used to be a flyweight, and even though it's not small, she's pretty much the same dimensions as Valentina Shevchenko. She's an inch taller, half an inch shorter of reach, inch shorter leg, so roughly evens out the same. Um, maybe not as thick. Well, she's still, I don't know, she's still thick and athletic, man. I don't know, like, so, you know, it, it's not necessarily a size thing, right? And even Shevchenko was, like, shrugging, pushing off, getting the takedowns. Um, again, shrugging off home when they fought, uh, uh, you know, it, it, as well for what it's worth. I know Shevchenko actually has judo and more discipline uh, Muay Thai, but uh, whereas, the whereas you know, Bueno Silva's more offensive marauder, um, the wrestling defense aspect actually has been a problem for her. Montana De La Rosa, who is a smaller, I always feels like a smaller flyweight. I don't even know if that's necessarily true. It's because I, I always thought she was a strawweight. She just wasn't. She's she's just not very physical. But in her defense, she is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, possibly a black belt by this point, but an experienced brown belt. She actually wrestled, came up wrestling like Misha Tate style, and I think was even like an, they, they say an all-American status in high school. Is that possible? Someone in wrestling can tell me. But the fact is, she you know was above average wrestler, and and you know that's what saved her in I guess saved her in that fight. But she should have lost. I mean, you want to talk about you know you know ten eights and stuff. She got her ass beat. It was bad. She got her ass kicked. You know, I know there's a point deduction, but Buena Silva still should have won that fight. Still obviously won that fight, and still still beat her ass. So I don't know how much you can hold that one against her. But yes. She did in that fight, and then as well, uh, especially in one of the rounds, is really bad optics where she gets flurried on and taken down in round three. Um, but she actually finishes strong besides that, which is the crazy part, right? Even in these defeats or whatever, air quotes defeats, air quotes draws. Like, again, she tenates Marina Morose in a fight, right? And Marina Morose already switched to American Top Team, had Pahumpa in her corner, who is now in Myra Buena Silva's corner, right? Buena Silva was shootbox Diego Lima, so she had all the offense and the submissions. That was never a problem, but now she's an American top team. And um, so, again, you you, you you maybe kind of cut her some slack for the defensive wrestling. Again, you look at De La Rosa. She's an actual wrestler. A lot of those were well-timed when, you know, Buena Silva's throwing a kick. That's how a lot of these takedowns occur. Um, a lot of these girls don't really get much off. Actually, she gets a... Decent off. Uh, De La Rosa does in one of the rounds. Clearly wins round two, um, I believe, in my mind, I think. But, um, or at least it makes a case for it. But, she, you know, Buena Silva, again, she still finishes strong, right? She has a, she always has a bad round two, very similar to Pantoja. She always has a bad round two, but she finishes strong. You know, almost 10 eights Moreau's. Even in the um, Manon Fioro fight, like, she's landing quality body shots the whole time that are really bothering Fioro that... 
the commentary isn't talking about for the first half, but the second half they really start giving Buena Silva credit because she starts coming on really strong in the second half. Um, you look in those highlights, like she finishes the strong the round strong, hurts Fiodo, almost head kick finishes her um, at the end of that round. Almost gets a head kick finish flurry too as well from the other side in round three where she actually finishes stronger and Fiodo looks to be a bit winded because she really has to fight of that style, something to maybe look forward to because Fiodo also is really huge. And again, a lot of those fights were at flyweight where Buena Silva was killing herself. So again, she wasn't training at American Top Team, didn't have the wrestling presence. Um, not the stereotype fighter from Brazil, because if anything, I give the positive stereotypes. But what's another one is that, you know, from the Hen and Barrows, Jose Aldo's is great and technical and around the game as some of them has been. You'd be surprised on how they all end up kind of fight, finding out about diet and weight cut late into the game, right? moving camps later into their careers. This is a very typical trend for a lot of Brazilians across the gamut. And um, Buena Silva's done that. She looks, looks much better since going up to Bantamweight. Now training with Bahumpa, again, a great coach. Um, you know, Talk about Diego Lima, who's underrated for Coach of the Year. I know my guy Aaron Bronstetter, shout to him, the TSN MMA show, uh, makes that case. I definitely don't hate it, but let's throw another Brazilian coach out there who, who deserves some love in the, in the conversation at the very least. Bahumpa, Marcos de Mata, uh, the... Uh, the short, uh, you know, uh, bearded uh, Robin Willi- Brazilian Robin Williams looking guy. I don't know why I call Brazilian Robin Williams looking guy. But, like, yeah, he, he, he does uh, great stuff there, too. Um, got a champion with Pantoja. Uh, Pantoja was mainly one of the main training partners with uh, Buena Silva, of course. Uh, of course, Buena Silva was a Charles Dubronx, uh, you know, stan and training partner before, like, you know, she's she's trying to, and she said before she wants to be the Pantoja, she wants to be New Bronx, and she she embodies that. She actually works the body really well. Um, really just, like, smart, like, jabs to the body, even, like, you know, uh, before going to ATT, like, just the shoot box, credit the shoot box Diego Lima. Like, she actually be doing jabs to the body, brutal knees to the body, good leg kicks that already go to the calves. That's obviously only going to get better working at American Top Team, where now she's working with... Um, Anderson DeFranca, uh, who is uh, Edson Barbosa, Marlon Moraes' uh, coach. Um, so again, she's working with like real, uh, really good coaches for her style. Uh, you know, as far as head kick timings and this and that, elbows, brutal in the clinch. Um, Holmes obviously going to be a, a real big athlete and going to have the athletic size advantage. Obviously, going to be one of the biggest athletes and this and that that she's faced. Obviously. But she was already calling out and preparing, you know, calling out, preparing for the Misha Tates um, uh, of the world and whatnot. And even though home and her team is smartly finally prioritizing strikes more over control positions, realizing it's not 2009 where the late round takedown is just going to win you the fight. Um, <clears throat> that being said, she's going to be eating a whole lot of body knees. And the one thing that goes when you're older, and even though someone like Holly, who whether it's a hard work or just good genetics, air quotes, or whatever methods, you know, she's in great shape. She can go five rounds. But even in that three-round fight, granted, she was pushing a lot harder, and she knew that. And she was like, she actually, in her interviews, the way she's talking, I don't know, this just feels like a trap spot, you know, like the UFC offered the fight. She wants to stay busy. Yeah, she's motivated because she's got the Amanda Nunes spot. There's a, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but it's a high-pressure spot too. You know, how ready was she for this fight? Um, I know it's hard to tell from pictures, but she doesn't look... She looks in great shape. I'm sure she's in fine shape. But she doesn't look quite as cut 
as the last fight, and one of the themes going into the last fight was like, oh, no, 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 uh, I was in bad uh, shape on the Caitlyn. Yeah, I, I was injured or something or whatever excuse she had, that kind of vague one, right, for that performance. And to her credit, you know, even though it's a lesser-skilled opponent, I know, well, Caitlyn Vera, air quotes, lost to Yana Kuniskaya, like, I, I guess. It, that was just, you know, I'm less upset about that fight as, as, it, as it went on when rewatch, but it's like, you guys know how I feel about that was kind of a weird, kind of a fluky fight, and Caitlin Vieira is kind of just a weird, can be an inconsistent fighter as we've seen too, right? So it's like I don't, I don't know how much weight um, I really want to, you know, put into that. But yeah, like so she she goes harder in the three rounds, and the way she was talking about it, she was like, "Oh, it was so nice to fight three rounds and not having to fight five rounds again." And now she's got another five round fight, and I know that she's going to be smarter on pace, so she's not because if she looks that ragged by the end of round three, that's dangerous. It's dangerous because. I believe, like I did with Pantoja, who actually didn't have round four and five experience, um, that Buena Silva can be a, a handful. Not only can she win like Pantoja, but I actually think that her style, she could be an unheralded fighter in five rounds. I didn't say that with Pantoja, even though I picked him and played him to win by decision. Actually, I couldn't play him to win by decision. I got limited. Not that it would have mattered, because it would have only been in the round robin. Nevertheless, point, point remains. Um... I feel like her style could be unheralded. She actually did go five rounds and win uh, in the regional scene, unlike Pantoja, who was scheduled five rounds. It's just the times it was scheduled, he finished it before, you know. Um, but again, you look at her. She has really bad round twos, but she doesn't look like she gets tired. She finishes fights and has high energy. Um, even in fights, she's clearly losing 30-26 on one scorecard somehow to Fioro. Um, but, like, yeah, that... that, that like again, the way they're judging fights for damaging moments, she's always going to be attacking. You know, uh, whether she's in the clinch, that's her wheelhouse. Whether she's in space, uh, home can outpoint her and frustrate, that, frustrate her there. But Bueno Silva does the one thing you want in a Holly Holm opponent to do is a counter right hand. Doesn't matter for what stance. Doesn't matter if we're talking about boxing. Doesn't matter if we're talking about MMA, Southpaw, Orthodox. Go through the list. It's the common kryptonite. Bueno Silva does that, but she also breaks down to the body and legs, which is great for elusive fighters. You saw that you saw that start to take a toll on Fioro again toward the end of the fight, and would have done it more so, not just if there were five rounds, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but also woulda, coulda, shoulda, if she actually stepped it up more and fought smart. She didn't fight too smart in that fight. Again, fighting much smarter now, even though it's a small sample size. We've only seen one fight under American Top Team when she fights Lena Landsberg. You see her actually using the body lock and not just selling out for, for damage and collar ties and offense. Uh, when the underhooks are there and obvious, she takes it on the bigger fighter to spin, spin around position to get from negative to positive. To put herself from positive to even more positive by wrestling, going with the flow, floating, making sure she's staying on top using her damage because she'll do damage from the bottom too just like pantosia but making sure she's like her, her jiu-jitsu just seemed much more methodical you tell she was training with bahumpa really much more methodical much more measured uh, and much more mma friendly um bahumpa has been translating his game and coaching for mma fighters has mma experience himself uh and you you really saw that in one camp they sound like they're really connecting and i don't know man uh She's already tied for Ronda Rousey for most arm bars. She could break the record. And even though Holm beat Rousey, and I know they're still replaying that, won't let us forget that, I actually think she's going to get submitted here, which is crazy. Um, I mean, she's been submitted before by Misha Tate in round five again, having to concentrate for that long. That's the thing. where you're Fighting safe is only safe um, 
if you're not in there with like a heavyweight or a fighter who is dangerous and has finishing potential. And even against a fighter like Misha Tate later in her career, in a fight she was dominating, it just took that one break of concentration. And Holm even ta- still talks about that in interviews like you're hearing her talk about this week. Like, you know, that's the thing she doesn't like about five-round fights, you know. And she sounds all testy. And I love the comments. The comments are like, oh, Holly, marry me. Oh, she's so professional. Did you hear her compliment Nunes? Like, oh, come on, guys. Like, everybody is just like, save the chill. Like, oh, God, like, just relax. Okay, relax. Relax, everybody. Um... Uh, anyways, but uh, but yeah, like uh, and oh, your your bias here against Holly Holmes, like oh man, I picked Holly Holm a lot, pick her more than more often than not, uh, more you know, picked her to get a finish in the Vieira fight, uh, picked her last fight, picked her, I think I, I took to take to take a flyer in Aldana. Boy, my flyers in Aldana have not aged well. I love Aldana, but man, do not love my picks on Aldana. They've not aged well. But yeah, uh, I just ultimately think again. It, it, Buena Silva is too dangerous of a fighter. Even the old iteration is maybe at this stage of the career too dangerous of a fighter. If Holly Holm can't put her away, I think she's going to get hurt at some point and be run ragged. I think she's going to wrestle herself into a submission, get hurt, and then wrestle herself into a submission, wrestle herself tired. Um, and Bueno Silva is going to keep that pace, and that small cage is not going to allow for a lot of uh, disciplined fight, even if Holly Holm can still have that for five rounds. And the judges, and we're assuming the judges will reward that, not the more impactful shots, which I get. They love, they love them some Holly Holm, and body shots and counters and leg kicks don't necessarily get the lion's share of the love, which is more than fair. Excuse me, way to characterize it. So, basically, before I got lost on the money line talk, my first play was... Uh, uh, Shitara inside the distance plus two fifty. Um, it was only plus two seventy five by sub, which is was a crappy number. I didn't like that. Maybe I throw that in a round robin. I'm guessing with the stuff that I'll probably end up in my round robin. Maybe I get limited, so I have to just do Shitara money line since she's the dog. But uh, as far as the play goes, I put a half unit on Shitara inside the distance at plus two fifty for uh, over a unit return there, and uh, I'm I'm gonna be playing rounds. One, two, three, what the fuck is that? No, three, four, and five. Uh, rounds three, four, and five, I'm waiting for them to drop uh, on uh, BetMGM so I can get some better numbers on it. I'm not liking what's posted right now. Um, but uh, I'm going to be doing the uh, point, not point thirty-three, but I'm going to be doing point seventeen. If I make it down to the uh, the book and I'm feeling frisky, maybe I'll just throw a throw a just under a hundo down and spread out a just under a hundo across three rounds, rounds three, four, and five, because it'll just be insane odds. Point three three use a piece, right? But for the uh, what's going on the record books for this podcast, I'll probably just be doing point seventeen use to get those numbers. I'm going to be looking to try to get, hopefully, you know, plus 1,000s, plus 14s, plus 18s, or something like that is what I'm going to be guessing. We'll see uh, what I can get. But uh, if you do those three rounds at plus 0.27, at 0.117 you a piece on those three rounds, just a half unit exposure for the inside the distance, you're looking at just just over uh, a unit exposure on Myra Buenasova that can pay out big, right? Just so long as she gets the finish. But again, I still think she can get the decision, and if the line's going to continue to go up, I don't know. I took an impulsive uh, unit thing, money line thing, so now I'm just over two units. Do not want to expose any more than that. I'm not going to recommend you play the money line, even if you like the Bueno Silva side like me. Uh, no, you don't have to. You're an adult. Make your own decisions. Just telling you what I like and what I'm on. Being full disclosure on that, I suggest you just wait live to bet Bueno Silva or to potentially hedge out of your home. 
So that is definitely going to be the longest breakdown of this card. Um, I'll get to you guys here since that will be the main event, and then I'll save the rest for after the chat. Um, da -da -da -da. Definitely worth recapping, Dan. You can rush this next card. It's not good. Yeah, I'll try to rush the rest of it for sure. Rio says in Truesdale. Um, Rio says in Truesdale says, uh, or that was Jim Karasi. Rio says in Truesdale says, Our worst nightmare has come to fruition, Dan. Another Holly Holm main event that we have to pretend to care about. More importantly, how's your training going? I really, I hope really well. I'm still reconfiguring training. Um, again, family uh, amongst uh, a bunch of this. Work changes to personal changes. Uh, personal side family uh, moved back to uh, Hawaii there, uh, which is which is good, which is great. Uh, it just uh, you know, uh, it was helpful. I'm not gonna lie, having old grandma come over and uh, watch the dogs, so I could go train. And uh, we're we're we're, we're uh, they've been doing much better though. We've got them enrolled in the daycare, and uh, I'm hopefully gonna be starting with finally some small trips and just uh, something I should have done a long time ago. And then, uh, you know, going to get gas, going to the grocery stores. And um, the old man's fine. He's super well trained. It's just the younger one that's coming along slow. She's fucking giant. So, uh, you know, I don't mind that at this point the house gets torn up a bit. As long as they don't tear each other up, that's my only worry. <laughs> They've been good. Knock on wood there. But, yeah, uh, just trying to get her good enough to be on training sessions. Uh, otherwise, I'm kind of relegated to the week and working, doing a lot of work in my home gym. It's been a, a project getting some stuff hung up on there, hopefully more hung this weekend. Didn't need to waste your guys' time on that, but I appreciate you asking. Marcus Mustard, Gomes is ascending. Rhea Susan Truesdale, tagged you on one of Jack Slack's retweets where Ghost shows the open side kick catch. Should wrestle boxers learn that catch where you can take it and scoop the underarm instead of dipping? Yeah, it's a fantastic move. I love it. Um, Ghost Phantom, how weird is it that home actually has a good clinch entries and clinch but cannot work knees and elbows offensively from there? Yeah, aside from that like one elbow tool that she went to over and over again, yeah, still not good. She's going to get knee to the body. But again, both body work and then knees to the body when your back's to the cage are actually super leveraging, and they actually hurt a lot um, because the fighter is pushing into them often. So you often even get more leverage and not risk losing position because the fighter is actually just running into the knees but the gen pop the judges alike don't seem to credit these fucking strikes and they change the course of fights it's insane um had izzy backing up and you know in that second fight with uh or you know their first ufc fight with uh Boaton. uh james kendrick the comments under tate and home interviews are thirstier than the sahara desert yeah don't worry dan we aren't simps unless it's for zhang weili totally fine here totally fine uh Last one, we'll move on. Jin Karasu, maybe it's rude for me to ask, but how much is in your bankroll? Like, what is three units for you? One unit, uh, easy question to answer. Basically, I keep it simple. Everybody's different. Um, unit is the uh, kind of measuring stick to show confidence, measuring uh, of arbitrary amount. My amount, though, is matches kind of the general amount. One unit, $100. Big ballers out there may do $1,000 a unit more normal folks which is how i suggest you do it and how i've done it for the majority of my career to be honest it's like roughly like 20 bucks you know or maybe you cut it in half you go 50 bucks and you just do the one half system right one unit means 50 so on and so forth and you do that math there uh, it's whatever you want to set but uh full disclosure yeah mine is hundred dollars for one unit so if i go 0.33 a half unit if i spit 1.5 unit these they're very easy for you um, to track. All right. Uh, pushing on new main event, Jack Delamadalena Delam minus 600. Uh, 
Hello, Basil. Austin. Dan, really? Come on. Austin. How mad are you, by the way, English people, that, like, that is your... Maybe not. Maybe this it's spot on and you guys are proud, but, like, that, that, that some Canadian guy is, uh, is, is, is for us Americans... Uh, introduced us and 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 is our definition of uh, of of uh, all English humor across the board is Austin Powers. How annoying! How annoying was that shit? Uh, maybe not at all. I don't know. You tell me, friends from across the pond. Uh, this guy though, Basil uh, Hafez, uh, he trained. I don't know where he trained before uh, Philly, Philly, but he moved over to Factory X and has looked like he's really started to refine his game. This guy actually looks like he's going to win some fights. He's actually going to be pretty good. Um, he uh, is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He actually, you know, has matches with guys like Gordon Ryan. Um, or I think he lost like three to two on points or some shit. I don't, I don't, I can't remember what under what rule set or what it was. But the point is, the dude is a legit grappler. Uh, that being said, we've seen Jack Della Maddalena deal with legit grapplers and wrestlers. He's got good enough anti-grappling and scrambling to where it's not too much of a worry. And even though I'm not gonna pick this guy, um, uh, but but even though he's livelier than some might imagine, if you're just writing him off as a short notice replacement, this guy's an actual 170 pounder. He's not some guy coming in off weight. He is actually has a you know a decent skill set, decent build, athletic. Uh, look, it looks like a brick shit house. Look at this brick shit house. Uh, I think you should leave. Look at this brick shit house. Like I kept thinking of that skit, looking at this guy. And um, the problem is, is he does seem a bit too wild to where he's not dominating guys like he probably should be for his grappling credentials, especially the level of guys, some of the guys, and I don't want to judge because we haven't been able to see a lot of these guys that he's fought flesh out, to be fair. But you also would like to hope that he would dominate them a little more uh, as a competition, uh, higher-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. That being said, it looks like he's focused a lot on his striking, likes to switch stances a lot like Jack Della Della Madalena and... He used to be getting uh, with his sloppier striking and being more aggressive. Like I said, with the grappling, that would translate with his striking. It would get him countered a lot. Even though he was really durable and would just be in like, these fun back-and-forth fights, he didn't look like he's like getting rocked like, to where it's like, a serious problem. Um, that being said, no one should be surprised if he gets you know finished or rocked here. But he does go through a lot of the same counter hooks that Jack Della Maddalena likes, especially when shifting the southpaw, which is interesting. You hook with the hooker, it's going to be a bad idea, and that would be a way to really get a guy uh, drastically hurt, even more durable guy, right? You know, those hooking with each other kind of exchanges. That's going to be something definitely to watch out here for, both with the pressuring, countering, and then the potential level changing coming in and out of the clenches and off the breaks that um, I see... Uh, Basil, uh, his style—it's <laughs> gonna be in your guys' fucking head now. Austin, hello, Austin. Uh, his, his style creates. Um, that being said, like this guy's gonna win some fights, and with the whole writing people off, this and that. I know Dan's being cheeky. Dan's gonna be contrarian. I, I wasn't planning on to be. And this is, is no intro. Thank God. Uh. Uh, shout out to my guy Dan Stubb, my editor in chief there at Action Network, because I, I I was like I pulled a my sleep schedule is all fucked up. Pulled like an all night nighter last night to finish my deadline on the co-main, which was supposed to be John Young Park and Duray. And I wake up like we decided to shift it because Walt Harris and Carbo Parisian is off the card. Uh, shout out to love Josh Parisian, Carbo Parisian, love Walt Harris. But still, you know what I'm saying? Even when they're off the fucking card, these lower level heavyweight fights on fight night main cards are like still the bane of my existence. Um, but again, this is so priced out and not really sexy that, you know, Action didn't want to uh, write up on it anyways. However, the more I looked into this fight, what did the over open at? Um, 
plus 160. It's still sitting at 160. I'm looking at that over. I may throw that in a round robin if I don't play it straight up. Uh, you're going to be sweating balls. But um, and what is Jack Madeline and Madalena by decision? Because this guy's durable. He hasn't been finished yet. And um, I don't know, man. That That is kind of the cheeky plays I'm looking at. I don't think I'll get that cheeky to go Jack Della by decision. But I think we could have a one of those fights that's, again, the competitive word's dangerous because everybody says close but clear. But this could be a, a, a one of those fights that's a competitive but clear fight where you're like, oh, like a like an Armin Sarukian um, Islam Makhachev. But, you know, maybe you level those down a bit on both sides of the level. It's not an apple for apples comparison. Um, even though I believe, I'm a big believer in Jack Della's ceiling, obviously Islam has always had a very big high ceiling projection and continues to kind of fulfill it. Uh, and Sarukian, uh, so forth as well. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, and I was one to say keep an eye out for Sarukian, folks, when he was stepping onto the scene. I was that guy. I'm not saying that for Basil, but I am saying as far as like, wow, this guy's actually better than the original matchup they had. Again, no offense to that guy. I wish him the best. Um, so I'm actually going to be looking at the over here, but I think it's going to be Jack Della either round two or Jack Della decision. I, I, uh, I can't see which one I, I'll, I'll end up on. Check me on my picks and plays on Fight Day and Dan Tom MMA, where, of course, I will post, which you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as always on Fight Day, my quick picks and prognostications. Um, we'll go to the next fight here, which is, i got to look now, it's the fucking adjusted order. Um, the Otman Empire, Otman at Azatar, uh, minus 105, money coming out of him. Francisco Prado, minus 115. Uh, heavy puncher, uh, dude with some weird ties. He'll put the gas on you, both literally and and otherwise. Uh, A-star. <laughs> um, so I could see why money would come in on him against the uh, Brazilian doppelganger of Drew Dober, uh, Francisco Prado. Uh, I still got to rewatch both their last fights to refresh myself on this one. Um, I will obviously watch it because I have to write it up. So again, check me on Quick Picks and Prognostications. This just was one of the few fights that I, a couple fights that I didn't get to on the main card. Uh, and I feel less bad about it because, again, it's a competitive fight. There's not sexy numbers on either side. I don't know if this is a fight that you want to rush out and be confident or should be confident to be going to the betting window even in the first place on. So don't feel that bad showing up too empty-handed. Um, we'll see where I... I don't even want to say which side I'm leaning because there is no lean, to be honest. Again, it's just like a pick em fight. It's probably... The, the line is getting bet down to where it should be, probably. We'll just say that. Uh, Nazim Sedjikov, uh, minus 140 versus Terrence McKinney, plus 115. I actually did tape on this one, as you guys know. Actually brought the Southpaw report back with video in tow and some comedic video in tow. So make sure to give those things some shares and some love. I think I might have finished it, though, because I don't think there's any more Southpaws. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, this is a Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup. Sedjikov, uh, oh, no, hasn't faced any. But, um... Terrence McKinney is 0-1 facing Drew Dober. Uh, it is deceptive, though. As I posted, uh, Eric Gonzalez actually lights him up from Southpaw for like the one time that he switches there in their very short fight, which was interesting. Uh, Sean Woodson almost takes his head off with a cross and then finishes him off with a switch knee, which is, you know, knees are the common culprit, but so are left hands. Because, of course, Drew Dober hits some left hands before hitting his knee from the Southpaw stance and uh, finishing him. I have an elder who's on this card, switches stances a lot. Um, he did have some success with the left hand because, again, whether you're a, air quotes, good southpaw experience, southpaw or not, it's always an awkward lane. It feels so silly. Like, um, there's something about it. Only, like, southpaws really understand this when you face another southpaw where, like, there is no shot that's both more easier to land in that matchup, even if you're facing another good southpaw or a better southpaw than you even. 
but also a shot that's more scarier to land because you just feel like you're exposing yourself because you're not used to the you're the check right hooker you're not used to dipping in a check right hook zone and that's the left cross baby that's the left cross so Evan Elder had some success when he when he threw those but I would say Elder probably had more success out of his orthodox stance now that could be due to the fact that Evan Elder is probably an orthodox fighter who learned to switch stances so maybe he's better from orthodox who knows but it is interesting to watch out for because both these guys have uh, big left hands. Um, they both also have deceptively clean up hitting right hooks. However, Sedyukov, whether it's with kicks or knees, uh, he does go to the head and body. And again, knees and left hands being the common culprit. Sedyukov gives uh, good defense and elbows. That could also tax McKinney if he's selling out for these takedowns. However, if McKinney is able to get a takedown, I wouldn't be surprised for him to get a back, maybe backpack. Uh, Nazim in round one because Nazim even though he's got good defense and instincts he will forget about his wizards from time to time and turtle even though he does try to consciously use the um, the fence like a cheese grater to his back to kind of scrape off anybody straggling to attach to his back he does play it fast and loose there even though he has the right ideas as he should I mean he's in a camp with uh, Marab and Aljo right um, even though he didn't necessarily come up through that camp uh, he was a later uh, transfer uh, we'll see if he's cleaned up in that department. That being said, even if he does get his back taken, I think he can survive. Um, and maybe that'll actually be good because maybe that'll wear out McKinney's legs and just overall energy, right? Uh, McKinney, though, he felt live for me going into this one. Feels even liver after hearing his interview with... Uh, you ruining my backdrop here, Big Stinkum? Yeah, it feels even livelier with Big Stinkum over here. Brownie. Big Stink Browns. Oh, I don't know how we did on the dogs last week. I think she came by for Pantoja. Yeah, you big stink. Um, but yeah, McKinney feels extra live after listening to that TSN interview. Shouts to the TSN MMA show, my guy Aaron Bronstetter, where McKinney was talking about switching over to uh, working with uh, both, I believe, the Main Street or Four Ounce Fight Club, whatever the Derek Lewis, Kevin Holland camp is, but also with Kevin Holland's jiu-jitsu instructor, of course, former middleweight title challenger, Travis Luter. Um, and uh, in all those departments, that sounds great, you know, trying to work on not being countered, cleaned up. Um, I'm rooting for Ken Terrence McKenney in this spot. He feels live. It feels like it's dog or pass. Uh, that being said, I still ended up picking Nazim just from what I just his style. Just feels like a, a, a you know maybe it's a biased southpaw style. He's also a round three guy. I don't think we're gonna make it to round three here, folks. But uh, Nazim gets a lot of round three finishes. He's acknowledged as much so. So he's a guy that I'm gonna be looking to put round three sprinkles on going forward. Uh, so hopefully he wins because of that. But I'm also a big Terrence McKinney fan, man. And I feel like he could use the win arguably more than Nazim at this point of his career. So, man, my heart's also with McKinney. This feels like a dogger pass. So my heart's with you too, I guess, if you're on the dog. But my pick is Nazim here. Um, I'll probably take him by round one or round two. Probably round two finish. Um, body shot. Um, next fight. Let's see here. Uh, here we go. This is something I did tape on. It's supposed to be the co-main event. Now feature, that is... Jong Young Park, minus 160. Uh, Albert Durayev, plus 130. Um, money coming in on Park. I thought it would go the other way because Durayev is Russian. He seems like a kind of guy, uh, guy with a win here that the UFC would want to promote. Even though Jung deserves a co-main event at this spot, and he deserves ranked. And even if they're going to do one of those stupid middleweight you know, matchups that out of nowhere, it's like, put a guy like Jung Young Park in there then, folks. Uh, if he wins this fight, he definitely deserves it. He definitely already deserves the goddamn co-main event, which they're probably only initially gave because of Durayev, um, who trains out of my backyard. I don't dislike the guy or anything, but let's just be honest. I'm, you know, 
I, I don't know. The, the, again, UFC, not exactly trying to promote Asians. Uh, even when they do uh, Asian stuff, you know. Um, not exactly the best at promoting it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I ended up uh, liking John Gung Park here, even though I don't necessarily like the price. Uh, that being said, I was able to find him at minus 148. Um, you know me, I don't play chalk over minus 1.5 units. Was reminded that with the bullet dodge with Whitaker. But at minus 148, it's still not a great price. It's still exactly 10 cents over this opener, which was minus 138. But considering we're seeing minus 166s to minus 160s out there, that's not too bad. It's also hard to pick a route. I mean, Jung Young Park is just an all-around consistent MMA fighter. You know, uh, I mean, maybe he's inconsistent as far as the results and sometimes or whatever. Like, he got wild against RoboCop, and you could say he got a little too conservative against Eric Anders, although he felt like he clearly won that fight. If you go and watch it, he hits a lot of counter hooks that actually had Anders rocked, something to look forward to here, considering that counter hooks from both stances cannot seem to miss on Albert Durayev. But again, I'm not trying to pick on commentary. Again, not trying to go back on my words. I'm trying to cut these people some slack. But again, surprise, surprise, folks. Wait, the, the guy who countered and worked the body was underrated and not properly scored, not properly commentated, not properly talked about in gentleman pop and all around again. Fucking course it was. Fucking course it was. Yeah, let's award the fight to the guy who was pushing into the fence. Who, surprise, surprise, not picking on Anders, but he pushed into the fence. Like, what, what are we doing here, folks? The fuck are we doing here? Sorry, effective striking. Anyways, um... Yeah, there certainly was an effective grappling going on in that fight. But uh, anyways, Jung Young Park, I know, put, and then they reward him with like, I was like, were these last minute replacements? I'm like, oh, these were just stupid matchups again. Not caring about, just whatever, throwing fucking darts. They're matchmaking in general. Jung Young Park's career, Asian fighters, whatever. It checks all the boxes of bullshit there. It's, uh, it's shit, and this guy deserves better. So hopefully he puts on a, a good show here. I think he's going to bring the pace. Um, I know Durayev was saying he was kind of going with a stereotype, going, oh, this guy's... Everybody underestimates this guy. Again, I know he's not the biggest guy on the roster. And again, there's always that Asian factor, right? We get called unassuming, where, you know, black athletes get called explosive. Why don't we just... Why don't we Why don't we call the black guys unassuming? You know, why do we? Have, why do they have to be explosive and dangerous? Why can't they... You know, let's... I think it would do both of our races some positive balancing out of the stereotypical racism if we spread the love a little bit. Not that Jung Young Park is an explosive guy, though. Some of his boxing did look that way on the regionals, and uh, I'll be curious. He really tries to get back to it. It just, the wrestling and the submissions and the well-rounded mixing things up seems to be just too much of a palpable pathway for the guy there. So, uh, hard to predict his methods, but um, Durayev does seem to kind of, you know, tire out and fall apart. I don't know how he... I, I wasn't paying attention because I just cashed, you know, I was just drunk with a big beer, just cashed a big ticket on Pineda round two, just cashed a big plus 700 club uh, submission, not from Mr. Turner, but from Nate Landwehr over Lingo, who we'll talk about, hanging out with my guy Lance Fisher from the MMA Analysis Podcast. Uh, again, cashing big tickets with actual MMA gamblers from actual MMA Twitter on my tr record that I'm not even tracking, which I would be up on this year, but let's, let's forget about that, haters who have been awfully quiet as I, I am now. Technically, technically, I don't count last week or the week before last week that I took off the Strickland Abus Magomedov card. First time this year, three in a row. Let's let's see if we can, you know, I'm not trying to jinx it or whatever, but uh, we're only uh, a few ducats short of uh, being in the black. Not that even if I was in the black now, I'd be comfortable because a lot can happen. Your luck can change that fast, but, you know, to the point. Anyways, um, 
I think Park finishes in round three here. I'm waiting for a better number. There's a real shit number right now at BOL. I'm waiting for BetMGM to release their number. I'm probably going to do a Scotty Pippen one because I'm just going to do that um, round prop there. So I'll be doing Turtle preflop, but this is another great uh, lab betting spot that's quietly a lab betting spot because Durayev is balls to the wall in general. And it's like, do we trust him to get through his wrestling? Do we trust him to get smart? I don't know about the wrestling part, but I, I wouldn't really trust him to get... Uh, to get smart with it because uh, he's trying to come out here and again he's already sounds like he's underestimating Park like everybody does the unassuming you know going with the stereotype of his boring fights and not like realizing what he's been doing on the prelims um, and then like uh, and then he's talking about wanting a statement like he's jealous of a boost mug and made off he's like I want it I, I deserve again because he, he even think I'm not just saying like oh the UFC probably wants to promote him. Like, no, he thinks so, too. He's been under that impression with his management, the hype that he came in with, the route that he had to come in with through the Contender Series. It's like, okay, I shouldn't have to. I'm more experienced than this. I've fought M1, ACB. But at the same time, okay, let me at least get the promotional love that Dana White shows that any, anytime someone through the Contender Series. Even if he doesn't sign the guy, it's funny. He'll still brag about like, now you know, or whatever he does, those tweets, like, after they win, like, oh, of course, of course after the fact um, so I guess he's expecting that too so he seems pissed off he's got a chip on his shoulder I think that's actually hurts it hurts a guy like him um, who's been really just been getting tested and has always had a suspect chin since his early days um, yeah man I think John Gung Park can hurt him finish him uh, and if he does and, and if it goes to the decision um, as long as he's not getting completely gypped on counters and body work uh, he should be able to to win a decision Uh a clear one, and I say a clear, but which means he'll probably end up getting a split because, again, he counters and works the body if it goes that long. I'll probably put Jung Young Park round three and a round robin as well. But, uh, yeah, um, no round three officially on the boards yet, but I do have uh, uh, my Iron Turtle play logged in um, when I got that number. The minus 148, 1.5 units to win one unit return. So I got like, dog hair like floating like all around it. It's like, yeah. Should I pet my dog and then touching my face I'm like oh ugh. but uh alright uh, next fight uh, we'll go through Norma Duma Beaumont Big Norm minus 148 plus 116 come back on Chelsea Handler Chandler uh, don't I haven't take this fight we'll probably barely take this fight I don't know maybe watch them, maybe just their last fight each I guess I don't know why we're having 145 women's it was only to boost Amanda Nunes' status as a double champ so that Dana again my theory that I kind of had a suspect the seed has really grown. It really makes sense in retrospect because his whole I want to have the best woman in the world couldn't get Rousey to come back. Had the bad fallouts and the bad PR with Cyborg, right? Both before, after, during. Um, and uh, that was his way to make it, uh, to make it, you know, to, 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 to do that. I'm not trying to take away from Nunes, who is a... Who is a uh, you know a bantamweight goat uh, in her own right? Uh, does not take away anything she's done at bantamweight, which she absolutely deserves all the credit in the world for. Uh, just saying, the division is a kind of a joke, and uh, I'm not trying to shit on these women or other women with their martial arts journeys. I want everybody to have a place to fight. But again, folks, when we're talking about card structure, why the fuck is this on the main card? I'm sorry. I want your girls to have your dreams. I want you to have a place to fight. I'm not going to shit on your comments. I'm not going to say shut the division down. I won't say any of that. But why the fuck is this on the main card? What the fuck are we doing here? You know, women's 145, This is like that, that whole fucking culture that I clearly just do not get. Clearly not a part of. I don't know. 
I don't fucking get it. Give me Big Norma Dumont. Um, alright, and then we've got fucking... What is this fight card opening up with? Uh, oh, Nazim, I already did the Sadikov thing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Alright. Um, Tucker, why I gotta say his name like that, damn? We say like he's fucking sex offender. Tucker Lutz plus 134, minus 172, Melsic, Um Yeah, uh, Melsic, you know, a, a bit surprising um, the last time out. Oh, by the way, Tucker Lutz, so there's Southpaw on here. Uh, Tucker Lutz has no experience against the UFC level Southpaws. I gotta go back maybe and watch that Pineda fight. I know Pineda rocked him, but I don't know if it was from a switch stance, which Pineda doesn't really do that much, so maybe maybe, maybe it wasn't. Um, of course, Melsic lost to Josh Kulabau. i got to go back and rewatch that fight. I, I want to say, was Melsic doing better than I gave him credit for or thought he might do? Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I'm leaning toward Melsic, but this is not a fight I want to pick or play. You know, Good on Tucker Lutz if he can win. But, uh, yeah, uh, I will stay away from this... Uh, Stay away from this fight. Um, Estella Nunes plus 165. Victoria Dudakova minus 210. Um, very wide line. And Nunes seems like she's due. She looks like in great shape. She's training at American Top Team. But hasn't that always been the case with her? And she's looked great. And she comes out looking like she starts great. And then, you know, maybe you'll get an opportunity to um, hedge out of your Nunes plays if you're taking it. And if you want a better shot on Dudakova. Um, I got to go back and refresh. But uh, I'm actually looking at Dudakova inside the distance here. Because she's the grappler, it's the small cage. And I know her fight in the Contender Series wasn't great, but what you guys need to remember is she she had an injury in some really bad circumstances on that fight. Like, terrible. And uh, I ended up giving her a B plus, even though it didn't look like a B plus performance, but it was with the context that she was pushing through these injuries and stuff um, pre-fight and, and, and these other issues she was having, right, that affected, like, I think her weight cut and stuff. Now, she is training, I don't know her, so I don't know if there's a bias, but she is training in my backyard extreme couture here for what that's worth. But she looks in much better shape. She looks much better prepared. Has had a whole year off. Got to get her injuries addressed. And she's... And Stella Nunes is young too, so this goes for her as well, to be fair, as far as that improvement, right? Like, how, how are they going to improve? Because I believe they're both in their 20s. If I am correct here. Uh, Victoria, 24, yep. And then Stella Nunes... Uh, 30, actually. She's a little older, quietly. Wow. Um, she's lost lots of rear naked choke. Of course, Victoria Dudakova has had a lot of rear naked chokes. Now she's going to be healthier. Back in the apex, so maybe not the UFC jitters of the big crowd and a cage that fits her fight style. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if she'll be in a round robin or maybe I'll like maybe put like like a half unit just for funsies like on Inside the Distance so I don't have to choose Parker in case she does get a TKO. Because Nunez, you know, again... Even though she's explosive, uh, doesn't mean she can't get uh, smacked and, and, and kind of rocked and stuff too. Her finished by TKO, right? So there's that. Um, nothing I you want to run to the... I'm rushing to play at the window, obviously, but it just seems like it could be a fairly clear read. I'm going to go do the work to make sure, though, uh, in case I need another option to play here. Austin Lingo, plus 170. Uh, uh, Costa, apologies on the name, minus 210. I'm going to go with Costa for his more diverse game, but um, this feels like a dogger pass spot, and definitely Hart with Lingo and his team, Coach Safe Sayud. Uh, seems like a guy who really, you know, um, kind of goes out there and overachieves, has a lot of the staples of that gym, really exciting fighter, a guy that'll be in like kind of like fight of the night fights, real action fighter, 
But um, the diversity, gas tank, um, I don't know if he's going to be able to have the grappling game to take advantage of him like he, like, a, like a guy, not just skill-wise, but also one weight class up, and Moises was able to do to him last time out. So I'll go with Costa. But again, uh, I didn't research this fight. Even if I did, this is not a fight that I feel like, in fairness, I don't think I would want to... I feel like it'd be fairly safe to say that uh, I would still feel the same way even if I did research it and want to stay the way, motherfucker. It's just one of those days. People aren't staying away from Evan Elder, who's up to minus 300. Uh, Gennaro Valdez, plus 230. Got to refresh myself on Valdez. I did like what I see from Elder. I like his story. Um, he is steadily improving. I do agree with him being favored to win. He will be my pick here, but uh, minus 300. Uh, no thank you. And I again, I admittedly did not do the tape study to give you an angle on how to approach this one. So apologies, but check me. Uh, for my final pick and perhaps any nuggets on fight day at Dan Tom MMA. Um, I haven't gone to check out, which I want to, by the way. Uh, I really want to check out this guy as at uh, Maxim minus 400. Of course, Tyson Nam plus 300. Um, you guys know me, man. Uh, even if uh, uh, Maxim is the pick and deserves to be favored here, um, my bias is still going to be toward uh, Tyson Nam here. I know he's older for flyweight. He's getting rocked and put out now, um, you know, perhaps faster and more abruptly than you'd like to see. Definitely a possibility uh, of many uh, way, ways to lose here, perhaps. But there is one way for Nam to win, and that is by KO. And at plus 600, I mean, I may just take a stab on that at a half unit anyways. It's probably definitely going to be in a round robin, just because I always put Nam by KO in my round robins. It's always a nice hit when it hits. It's a great way to play him. And uh, we're going to need some underdogs because so far um, I have only picked da -da -da -da, one, Bueno Silva. So, yeah, uh, give me Tyson Nam. Um, Alexander Munoz is back, minus 185, versus Carl Deaton, plus 150. I'll go Munoz, but I haven't seen him in a while. Small cage for wrestling. Let's see if his boxing improvements are there. I believe this is the... Uh, uh, the good-looking, marketable kid there from uh, Team Alpha Male, Carl, Carl Deaton. Kind of a regional wrecking ball. Um, I believe he might have a victory over my guy, Justin James, if I'm thinking of the same guy. But keep in mind, um, Justin James just got his neck surgery he's been needing since deep into the UFC, by the way. Uh, wasn't able to get it, like, out of there. Like, he was you know, not trying to make excuses or put his stuff on the spot. But the guy was in bad shape. He's definitely in bad shape for that. Probably shouldn't have been fighting that fight, so... For whatever it's worth, if I'm thinking of the same guy, don't weigh that victory over Justin James too hard. That's not just me standing for my guy there. So I'll probably take Alexander Munoz. Not a fight I care to play anyways. Uh, same with this fight. Maybe I'll pick uh, Ashley Evans-Smith at plus 185 because she's the WMA dog over Aileen Perez. Minus 225. We need some more dogs. But uh, if you see me picking Ashley Evans-Smith, know that I probably didn't do tape study on this. Especially if you see me picking her and not playing her despite picking a plus 185 dog. So... There is that. All right, how do we do on time? We'll get to the chat and we'll get out of here. 145. That's still kind of a long episode. Sorry about that, folks. Most of it was, to be fair, uh, the recap was longer than the breakdown, probably. Actually, they're probably both uh, same. Okay, I'm going to clean up the chat uh, before we get out of here. And then we'll get a... Uh... Uh, Rain Lamb, I love Jack Della Maddalena and his body work. Uh, I hate that he's being paid 10 and 10. Oh, God, I hope he's not, is he? God damn, please don't tell me he's still in that contract. Um, da -da -da -da. Uh, Shitara has her work cut out for her, but the hungrier dog runs the fastest. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like her in the interview. So she just she wants to hurt Holly Holm every round. Like that's what you. That's you. All fighters should think like that, especially with the judging criteria, scoring criteria, as what is what it is. Uh, James Kendrick, uh, I think we are all fans of Jack Della not writing off the opponent, but the body punching that Jack Della does is a huge advantage. Uh, most of the fans of it. Yeah, you know what? That is a good point. Not a lot of body workers uh, the other guy's face, even though he looks durable. And the most durable guys are often hurt to the body, right? So, yeah. <sighs> Maybe I will pick Jack Della round two or round three. But uh, I still like, uh, even if I do pick Jack Della round two, I still might get cheeky with that over. Don't be surprised to see that somewhere in my plays, even if it's just a round robin filler. Um, Jimmy Kudo, how bad will McKinney's defense be when he is facing another southpaw? You mentioned that before, but southpaws have trouble with other southpaws. Yeah, his defense in general, he really needs to work on, and he knows that as far as just... It, 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 and his he's not even afraid to throw stuff against southpaws. Like, he looks really comfortable. He'll throw everything, spinning stuff, the kitchen sink. It just doesn't matter if he's facing a southpaw or orthodox. It's that wildness gets him countered. So I'm curious on what work McKinney's been doing. So that, that also really makes me want to stay away from the fight and why I say the dog is live. Uh, Marcus Mustard, that fight's a pass for me, dog. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm not even sure what fight you're talking about, but I'm sure we're in agreements. Um, Rain Lamida, Jack Slack calls them black explosive. Oh, Jesus. If you watch Sadiq Youssef in his first interview, he goes, Jack Slack says it a lot, but I actually am black explosive. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I've heard that term, too. And that, that's a term for a reason because, again, it is perhaps unfairly uh is it racist racist perhaps unfairly it is uh it is used for um for black athletes um jim karasu why does dana do that you now you know seems forced and unnecessary since hardcore's love on because dana likes to promote he likes to promote his own stuff he likes to promote his own people his own agenda and he is the boss so he gets to do that whether we like it or not unfortunately right but that is kind of his M.O., right? Whether it's the power slap, whether it's whatever. Whatever his personal agenda is. So that is what it is. Uh, Marcus number. I don't know. I don't watch his fucking Friday cooking show either. Yeah, neither do I. It's always terrible stuff. And not even, like, taste-wise. Like, that sounds gross. Like, like they're not even trying to be creative to get that reaction. They're just like, we're going to roll. We're going to sprinkle, you know, futakaki on a hot dog and roll it in a in a fucking three bums jizz uh, cookie circle or something. God damn, it's just... I actually would watch Dana White eat that. Um, Jesus, Dan. Ghost fan of Norma Dumont on the main card under a Holly Holm main event. I am just baffled as you are, Dan. I know maybe we're setting up Holly Holm's uh, retirement fight there, huh? Maybe they do think deeper in layers. Uh, Chris Persnell did a deep dive on Azat Maxim's skills. He's a really bad matchup for Nam since Azat... Drives a high pace and has good takedowns, but bad guard passing and rides. Okay, it sounds like it checks out. Uh, Chris Burnell is one of the few guys in MMA space that specifically focuses on Asian MMA, so he's a good dude. Awesome. Good shout there. I'm definitely going to check that out. That name does sound familiar. And good notes. Maybe that will keep me away. Um, maybe I'll still put Nam in like a KO as a flyer for like a round robin if I don't have anything else to put. Maybe that'll keep me away from uh, any any more wishful thinking in that department. All right, recapping what I got for UFC Vegas 77. 49. Sorry, rubbing my nose more than Conor McGregor. Post-tough episode here. Um, all right, taking. It's in a weird order. About order. Sorry, folks. Um, taking home 
Or down? What the fuck? Taking Shitara Bueno Silva over home. Um, taking Park over Durayev. Taking Dumont. Beaumont over Chandler Handler. Taking, I don't know who I'm taking over Prada Azatar. Check me out at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day. Uh, quick picks and prognostications at MMAJunkie.com on Fight Day. Taking Sajikov over McKenney, but the dog is live. Uh, taking uh, Melsic Bags over Tucker Lutz. Take, sorry about that. Taking Dudikova over Nunez. Taking Jack de la Madalena over Basil Hafez. Taking Costa over Lingo. Taking Elder over Valdez. Um, we'll see where I end up over Nam over Maxim. Obviously, Maxim is the smart pick. Uh, we'll probably take Smith over Perez, but we'll stay away regardless. Check me, uh, my quick picks and prognostications on fight day plays. Iron Turtle minus 148, 1.5 unit. Uh, impulsively, and I'm mad at myself for doing it. We'll see. Hopefully she just wins anyways. Um, impulsively took, uh, ah, god damn. Uh, Shitara at plus 152, one unit. Uh, Shitara inside the distance, half a unit, plus 250. We'll be sprinkling 0.17 U apiece for just over two units exposure. Shitara, th rounds three, rounds four, rounds five. Also waiting on a better number for Iron Turtle, round three. Uh, might get cheeky with an over, uh, with the over 1.5 uh, for Della Madalena. And, uh... Basil. Um, <laughs> we'll see if Nam by KO makes it in or anything silly like that. We'll see if I sprinkle or make it in a round robin for Dudakova inside angles. Um, nothing else too hardcore to give you guys. Thank you guys for really uh, getting in here. Appreciate the love. Make sure you hit the like button if you haven't already. Ghost Phantom. Great show, Dan. Always good analysis. Thank you. Jen Karasu. Really enjoyed the show. See you next week if I remember. If I remember too, buddy, right? Uh, good luck all, y'all, from Marcus Mustard. Appreciate the positive energy and you joining along there, Mustard. Always a good show, Dan. Chat was respectful, and that's all we can ask. Hey, that was. And thank you, Jimmy Kudo and Ghost Phantom, for holding down the house so they cannot bust a talking heads on us and burn down the house. Instead, we got the good talking heads in the house. Jin Karasu, you can find personnel breakdown of Azad if you look up MMA Ecosystem as at. Good shout there. Uh, I may have to check that out if I have the time. I'm gonna get out of here. Good luck on your picks and plays, folks. And always protect your next.